Welcome, everybody, to the 15th episode of Sports Cards Live. Made it to number 15. Pretty happy with that. I think I say that every time, but what can I say? These are going really well. Lots of great feedback still coming through from all the viewers, all the guests. So thanks, everybody who's been involved. I really, uh, really appreciate that. Want to let everybody know if you're watching to... If you're watching on Facebook, go to StreamYard.com slash Facebook and click the big blue button so that you can be uh, a part of the show tonight and we will get your comments on the screen as fast and as uh, accurately as we can with the context of the discussion at that time. I'm going to thank the my guest from last Saturday, Brian Price from President's Choice Trading Cards and In the Game. Brian was an awesome guest. We had a three-hour discussion. It was quite lengthy, but... He's told some amazing stories, so please go back, watch that one. You can find it on the YouTube channel, Sports Cards Live. If you haven't yet, please go subscribe and like that video and others if you wish. I also want to thank Carlos Diego. We had another great chat on last Wednesday. That video is also on the YouTube channel archived and there for you to view. It's about a two-hour episode, so again, watch it in parts. YouTube will remember where you last left off, so go check that one out as well. This coming Wednesday... My guest is a gentleman by the name of Justin. He's on Instagram as at 610 Sports Cards. And he's the guy who uh, invented really the first virtual uh, show, the Instagram show, the virtual sports card uh, event that he had. He's had a couple of them and those were really cool. So we're going to have him on. We're going to talk about everything virtual, what's going on in the hobby right now that way. And then next Saturday, uh, my guest is Steve Grad, the lead authenticator for Beckett Autograph Services. And Steve is also a uh, regular on Pawn Stars. He's on Instagram as um, at the guy from Pawn Stars. So he's been on over 100 episodes. He'll bring some cool insights into uh, various hobby issues and um, hearing about his escapades through the hobby and, and so far. So also mention that um, kind of cool was on CTV News a couple nights ago, local news here in Calgary that was on national as well. So we might show that clip a little bit later on. And anyway, without any further ado, tonight's guest is Billy Celio. Billy is a product manager at Upper Deck, someone I've known for at least about six years. He's a regular at the at the expo. Uh, they're representing the company and just an all-around great guy. So let's bring him out. Billy, welcome to episode number 15 of Sports Cars Live. Really happy to have you. How are you doing this evening, my friend? Doing great, Jeremy. 15. You got your learner's permit now. You got one one more episode and you can drive, right? That's right. I'm almost six, almost 16 years old. Then we can get behind the wheel for sure. For sure. So listen, Billy, um, first of all, thank you for joining me. It's, it's awesome. I, you know, I booked you a long time ago, several, about a month ago already. been looking forward to this one. You know, a lot of the viewers are hockey collectors and you're obviously, uh, you work for Upper Deck. Upper Deck has the exclusive license for hockey. You have a big role there. You help design the sets. We're going to get into all that later. But, you know, before we move into that, let's get started with kind of what what was your introduction to the hobby uh, that eventually led you in, on your path through your life to your job at Upper Deck? So, I mean, what was it? 84 Donruss, I think you mentioned to me the other day, was the first sort of card set that you remember collecting. So why don't you start us off, off there with your, your collecting 84 Donruss right up until getting your job at Upper Deck? I mean, just like everybody else, when I was a kid, uh, you know, you go to the shops. Uh, me and my buddies, we would uh, ride our bicycles uh, to the shops and uh, like I said, I, I remember those 84 Donruss cards and uh, I joked with you. I'm like, uh, back then I would use them to put into my bicycle spokes. And I, I know you hear the story all the time, but it was true. It makes a real cool clicking sound. 
So, uh, you know, I did, I, I, you know, kind of dibble dabbled in the cars there. Then my dad kind of noticed, you know, Hey, he's interested in cards. And my dad was interested in cards when he was a kid too. So it was something that we kind of did, um, kind of nice little bonding thing between me and my dad growing up was, was cards as, as time progressed. And I went real hard. I think I, the first year I went hard was like, uh, 87, uh, that 87 top set baseball with the wood borders, man, I had so many of those. I think I sorted them every single way you can multiple times by number, by team, by player. You know, I just, I was playing with them all the time and, you know, we kept doing stuff. And, uh, you know, as I, my collection got bigger and bigger, my dad and I would start doing shows. Uh, we would have table of shows and it was kind of funny. He'd have the old stuff and I'd have the new stuff. And, uh, you know, we just, we did that. Uh, we used to do, John Smoltz had a show. Uh, he's from Lansing and um, he would do a, a card show every year. And we would all year long, we would buy all the John Smoltz cards we could find for like five cents to 25 cents. And then uh, once the show hit, we would put like two or $3 on each one where everyone else is trying to sell them for five or 10 bucks because, you know, he's signing for real cheap. And uh, actually I think I even, uh, I I brought one of my old uh, oh shoot oh there it is I brought my old uh, my old John Smoltz uh, rookie card that I got signed back in the day from so, eighty nine um, upper deck the first set yeah, yes uh, cool. so you know we we started doing that it was it was a great bonding thing with me and my dad you know I was a little troublemaker back in school so this was where something that he didn't yell at me and it was kind of fun because it was right around when Beckett's were coming out. So what we would do was whatever sport became like there'd be a back. They used to have like that huge Bible of price guy. I don't know if you remember. It came out like once a year. So yeah, the annual. Those, those prices were really low. So we would go to shop after shop and just buy a whole bunch of old cards, like just buy the lots. And then the Beckett's would come out and the Beckett prices were higher than the than the 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 annual. So. You know, we kind of started doing that and we first we started with baseball then we did basketball and then football and then you know i still remember the the wayne gretzky Beckett with hockey on it so um there goes my phone uh <laughs> sorry about that so you know that that's that part of collecting and then as i got older you know uh high school came along and uh and college and i kind of took uh, like my later years in high school i think there was a big boom in comic books so i kind of like moved over to comic books a little bit and uh then college came along and i moved on to a whole bunch of other things and then uh, once i got out of college i was just like okay and there's a couple local card shops i would go to in the lansing michigan area and uh just got back into it and i you know been collecting ever since so uh, yeah yeah so i mean you know you're you're just like any of us really you 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 started with a family member your father i mean i started with my cousins i remember and you know you start one way and something gets you through till you know you get through till you're basically in high school we all kind of take a bit of a break because i mean other things take priority although i don't think i took much of a break and uh okay so that takes you up until you get out of college and next thing you know or next thing i know billy's working at upper deck tell us how did you actually get your job at upper deck i think everybody kind of i think we all have had that dream at some point of our life where boy how cool would it work for a card company especially upper deck you know if, if you're a if you're a hockey guy um even back in the day if you're if you're a sport a fan of any sport you i think everybody wanted to work at upper deck at one point how did you actually get that job you know i i um when i Went to, or when I came back from college, 
a lot of my work experience after that was in um, restaurants uh, to the point where I was, by the time I left Michigan, I was actually managing restaurants. And um, I would, uh, a, a friend of mine is actually uh, friends with uh, our president, Jason, Jason Mashra. And so uh, I would like, when I moved to California, I would be talking to him and be like, hey, you know, what's what's up and we we met a few times and we would just uh you know talk sports cards it was it was fun and so one one day out of the blue he's i get a phone call and it's just like hey what's your status right now and uh, i go well honestly like i i'm getting tired of this my knees suck and i don't want to uh, be walking around hard floors uh and worrying about ticket times and all that stuff for uh people to get food so um I just, uh, and he's just like, well, let me tell you something. Like, I don't know if you know the current situation right now, but Richard had passed away, uh, president or the owner of Upper Deck, and uh, Jason had become president. He goes, look, he goes, I, I let my people hire who who they want, but, uh, um, you know, if, if it's something that you might be interested in, uh, get me your resume and I can see if, uh, like, the people that are hiring are, are interested. And they were looking for a product manager. Uh, which is the position I have. And they're looking for a coordinator who's uh, the person that makes the checklist and stuff. And so I interviewed for both positions. Um, I think I had two phone interviews to start with. And then I had uh, I had a meeting where they, they drove me to, uh, or I, I drove to Carlsbad and had a sit down interview. I think I had one or two of those. Um, and it, I, I think I told you a story. It's funny. Uh, when they asked me like what my favorite card is, it wasn't an upper deck card. And then when they asked me what my least favorite card was, it was an upper deck card, but you know, <laughs> I, I was honest. Um, but one of the things that they're looking for in the, in the product manager position is um, there's two things. You got to have card knowledge. You have to have knowledge of cards, the history of cards, uh, prices of cards, the, uh, you know, what sells, what doesn't sets and stuff like that. And then you also kind of with my position, it's a lot of numbers. And so, um, math was actually one of my really good subjects in school. Uh, we won't talk about science, but math was, math was really good. And so, um, what I do with, what I do with cards is, you know, instead of, and the restaurant business really helped because I would have to worry about liquor costs, food costs, labor costs, maintenance costs, all those little things. And then you have to learn how to, uh, manipulate those numbers, move those numbers around to, you know, to to get uh, the numbers that you're looking for. And it's the same thing with building a set of cards. You have to worry about, you know, paper costs, decophone costs, auto costs, memorabilia costs, all those sort of things. So um, that was another skill that I had. And it's it's kind of rare to have someone that's really knowledgeable in those numbers and being able to work with numbers and also knowledgeable in the trading card market. And, and so, um, you know, there's some guys that know 10 times more than I do about, about trading cards and hockey cards and sports cards. Um, but they couldn't, uh, you know, they couldn't equalize an equation if their life depended on it. Um, and then there's other people that know 10 times more than math than I do, but have no idea what a rookie card is. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it was a nice combination of skills I had. And, uh, you know, I went through the interview process, as I said, it was about four or five interviews. And uh, here I am. I kind of, I kind of laugh because I was the cheap, I was the cheap hire. They only had to drive me from Los Angeles to Oceanside, 
uh, our other product managers, uh, JT and Tony, they had to fly in from New York and fly into Chicago. So it's like, you guys got like your own little vacation where I had to just drive up one day and then drive drive back the next day. Right so, on. So, okay. So, so awesome, man. I mean, that, that's super informative. I think a lot of people are going to appreciate hearing all that, even as it just sort of just as an intro to the episode here. So you've been with Upper Deck now for six years since those interviews, that series of interviews. And um, can you tell us what was your introduction to the hobby uh, when you were first at Upper Deck? Like what was your first uh, experience coming in front of collectors at the expo in Toronto? How was that for you? You know, it, it was uh, it was interesting, um, you know, being from Michigan, hockey town, Detroit, I always sport in the D somewhere. Um, you know, I, I, I do enjoy hockey. I, I, I thought that uh, Detroit fans were were huge fans and they are. But let me tell you, you know, it's a whole nother breed when you go to Toronto and you go to that expo and you see, you know, you see all the all the fans uh, of hockey cards. I've, you know, I've done, as I said, I've done tons of card shows and to see the majority of the whole expo to be hockey was something completely new to me. And uh, it, it's funny, like my first time, they're like, well, we should take you, you, you should check it out, see how everything is. And I'm like, all right. So um, that was when Grant was was going also. And he kind of uh, introduced me to a lot of the, the people in the industry. Tell, tell, and, tell, tell the viewers who Grant is. Awesome. Grant's my boss. Grant okay. is... Grant oversees um, all of the product managers and the uh, the coordinators for for hockey for Upper Deck. He is uh, he is our Zen master. He's uh, his office is the dojo. He's got a little gong in there and everything. It's it's great. But you know, Grant is uh, Grant's probably one of the smartest guys you will ever meet. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough when I first started working at Upper Deck. Um, you know, sometimes they throw you into the fire and say, "Here you go, try to you know build something." I spent uh, about six months just sitting on a chair like I am right here next to Grant, learning how he builds his set, learning the reasons why he does inserts a certain way, learning how he numbers stuff a certain way, doesn't number stuff a certain way. So, you know, I had some great, uh, some great teaching and I was fortunate enough uh, for a good six months before I even touched a product uh, to watch him build almost uh, half a calendar's worth of, of, of cards. And so then he, as I said, he, we, we went to the expo. I, I, I joke, uh, I think I spent more time answering questions about pink sleeve on McKinnon Young Guns than I, than I did actually, uh, you know, getting to talk to people. That, that was the big craze. I heard you guys are replacing uh, the pink sleeves. I felt bad for our customer service guy that, that trip because um, I think we ran out of McKinnon, you know, our backups for him to hand out to people because uh, obviously it was a big deal. It's obviously the big rookie, he's still a stud. So uh, I understand, you know, people are very particular and when things don't get graded a certain way, they get a little upset. So so, uh, so when you guys came to the expo that particular year, that must have been uh, what, the fall of 2014? It was spring. No, 20, 20, would have been, sorry, spring. Oh, well, no, he would have been a Series 1. Yeah. Oh, and you were replacing them. Would oh, have been we spring. That's right. Yeah. Right. So you guys actually were aware that there was that print flaw, and you guys came yep. to the expo with a stack of corrected ones to basically swap out for people that gave you a pink sleeve. You'd give them the, the new improved copy. Is that how that worked? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very, very cool. Very cool. 
was that was that a kind of a, a tough situation for you as someone new with the company and here you are kind of having to deal with um unruly unruly customers type of thing or or, yeah. or you know dissatisfied customers i've had a few jobs i mean working in the restaurant it's one of those things where you have a table that has a complaint and then all of a sudden all the other tables around that table have a complaint because they saw what you did for one person it's almost the exact same situation Someone heard, you know, you have this complaint and you, you learn to deal with it. Another another job that I had, which was horrible, but I went door to door for uh, about eight months, you know, selling coupon books. And uh, and you learn how to get yelled at and take no's and all that other stuff real quick. So um, it wasn't that bad. And as I said, I, the customer service was really who you dealt with, who they dealt with. So it was like, hey, you know, real sorry about that. Here's our uh, so and so. I think it was Randy. Here's Randy. He'll yeah. uh, he'll help you guys out. Right on. Okay. So listen, before we move on and get into the 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 real the detail about how you actually build the set, um, you you know we've chatted many many times, and whenever I ask you about it, you always mention the word forms, and I think it's an it's an it's an interesting term because you guys talk about it like it's second nature. I don't necessarily think all the viewers and collectors out there really know what a form is and how that works in the context of building out a set. But before we get to that, we're just going to go through some of the comments that we have so far from uh, from people. Uh, Jason's in the house. Good evening, Jason. Hello, Scott. Welcome. Amit, uh, Big Sexy. What's up, Billy? Welcome, Amit. George Buss in the house. Hello, George. And welcome. Andy says hello. Eli says good evening. Hi, Eli. Nice to see you as always. Uh, there's an anonymous Facebook user who starts off with when Upper Deck sends a stack of cards to an athlete, whoever that is, please go to streamyard.com slash Facebook, click the big blue button and feel free to ask that question again. It's too long in the form it is. It'll cut off our chins. So please re-enter that one. Uh, same for you, Andy. That question's too long, but we will be talking about that topic a little bit later. Uh, Super Striker in the house. Woo-woo. Happy to see you here. <laughs> and uh, he says, what are your thoughts on 86 tops? Because I think um, I think you were mentioning, I think you were saying you were into the 87 tops. That that's what he's sorting right now. Hilarious. Um, Rand, yeah, Randy's a great guy for sure. Stefan in the house, my guest from a couple Wednesdays ago. Welcome to the show, buddy. And Adam Erskall. Good evening. Billy, Mon Billy Monumentals in the house. Yes, that, that I can vouch for for sure. This guy has a few Monumentals. That is an understatement. All right. So welcome everyone to the show. Billy, happy to have you as always. As always. Just happy to have you, man. Happy to have you here. So let's get into building sets and what a form is really and what goes through your mind when you're building a set. Um, and, you know, what what are the details that us collectors, us customers that we don't really know about that goes on behind the scenes when it comes to creating a, a new set or even continuing on with one that's been around for a few years? Well, that's that's exactly the point. Uh, when you're starting to build a set, are you building a new set, a completely new set? Um, you know, we've got some new stuff coming out this this year. Uh, we've got some new stuff coming out next year. And, and that's one thing. And then you've got, you know, are, are we building a set that is, you know, a staple to Upper Deck? Are we building Series 1, Series 2, the Cup? You know, those are the, so it, it really kind of depends on, on what you're building, on what your starting point is. Um, but say something like uh, Upper Deck Series 1. Well, you know you got to have the young guns in there so that's oh we want to talk about forms so cards are put onto a form where you um you know that's what that's what's cut 
and forms are different sizes. There's an 18 up form. When we say 18 up, that means there's 18 cards on the form. Uh, there's a 30 up, there's a 42, um, there's a 90, and there's a 100. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of like your base set is going to be 100 cards. And, um, you know, Upper Deck Series 1 is two forms of 100 cards. And then something like the Young Guns. Well, the Young Guns are 50 cards. We don't have a 50 up uh, form. So what we'll do is we'll print the Young Guns twice on one form. And so that's how that goes through the system is you'll have, you know, two separate uh, runs of the Young Guns on one form. And you so want to try... Really? Sorry. Yeah. So is a form basically what we would consider to be an uncut sheet, but like exactly. it's yes. the first one that every, every every other one is kind of printed off of? Yes, it's exactly okay. what it is. A form is an uncut sheet. Simple as that. Well, yes. They call it okay. like our pre-press will call it a form because they're the ones that set up the form for it to go and put all the printing plates and everything together. So they they set the form up to create the sheets. In, in different like spots and stuff like that. So, okay. Sorry that yeah that's that's the best way of of describing that. Okay. Cool. So you know and and then like part of the job is to try to be as efficient as you can with these forms because uh, what some people don't understand is there's two different ways to cut the forms. So you have a full sheet of uh, of cards and something like the base set we have what's called a slipstream and a guillotine cut. The slipstream is something where it's just like all the cards are cut and it's put into the thing as as is and a guillotine cut is where it will slice it down and then you have every single one of those cards uh every like say it's Connor mcdavid all the Connor mcdavid cards are here all the you know nathan mckinnon cards are here all the and so on and so on so it separates every single card on the form so all, so if you have like a a memorabilia card you want all the you know, counter McDavid memorabilia cards to be together. So then when you ship them out to get, put the memorabilia pieces in there, you know, it's easier for them. Or if you have to number the cards or if you have to send stuff out to get autographs. Well, here's the thing is it's, it's cheaper obviously to have something slipstream cut than it is to have guillotine cut because there's so many more steps involved in guillotine cutting uh, a sheet of cards. So, you know, that's some of the stuff that you have to think of when you're building a set uh, is can I can I accomplish this by having a slipstream cut and it'll save me money. And that's where you get a lot of ratioed cards, um, you know, like ratio, like the young guns and stuff. That's that's a slipstream form because you, we try to get it. So you get, you know, uh, random cards throughout the throughout the box. OK, so that's some of the stuff you have to think about also. Oh, that's pretty cool. So I guess part of this whole talk about the forms, and you mentioned like the the twelve up, the forty up, the ninety up, all that sort, all those are fun. So that's how big the sheet really is. There's either twelve cards on it, or forty, fifty, or forty-two, fifty, ninety, whatever that number is. And then I guess when you're actually kind of you know engineering a set, you need to make sure that you've got uh, all the cards you want in the set are are, are really captured on these various forms. And if you have an extra spot on one of these forms with nothing in there, now you can add another player to the checklist or to the insert set or, or what have you, if you need to. I mean, I'm sure you're, yep. I'm sure they, they, that the, um, uh, the coordinator already kind of has told you or, or has decided who's going to be on there, but does it ever sort of come up where it's like, Hey, we forgot, we've got this corner 
space for this last player card, we we got to put someone on there, or is it really all taken care of ahead of time? It's really taken care of ahead of time. We'll have um, we'll have instances where we need to make cards, and you know, uh, we'll try to find spaces somewhere where it might be like we take a player off of a, another form uh, and put something in that needs to get done say a player loses his cards like to sign and oh shoot we need to get so-and-so's cards in the set so we'll put it on another form that has similar technologies like similar color deco foil similar thickness to the paper that sort of thing and we might put it on that form but from a standpoint of you know are there a lot of open spaces usually not usually like as i said we try to be as efficient as possible so um, if if I have a hundred up form, I'm going to try to fill all those hundred spots because I want my driver to be as low as possible, and I want as little waste as possible. So you know that's that's one of the that's one of the parts of the job, the math part that I was talking about. That's kind of important to you know make sure you're being as efficient as possible. Right, and I guess you want to make sure you have all your ratios are going to be filled on the you know across the whole brand run making sure that any numbered cards are going to be properly seated. You have enough of those. Um, that, that's that's pretty interesting stuff. So when you started at, at Upper Deck, what were, what were the first set, couple of sets that you were actually in charge of making? The first set I actually built, and no pressure at all, was Connor McDavid's first Upper Deck card. It was Team Canada Juniors. Um, I think, was it 2015 or 16? Why am I drawing? 2015 or 14? Yeah, 14, 14 I think, yeah. 15, 16 were the first sets I started building. But uh, yeah, his his first Team Canada Junior set, that was the first set of cards I ever built. So um, like I said, no pressure whatsoever. And then that's when um, I started building some other things. And, uh, you know, started <laughs> my – and people that know me that uh, have talked with me kind of know my history on some of the first sets I built. And it, it's not the proudest uh, moments of my uh, career. But uh, I think we went out the gate with uh, with full force, which I appreciate the fact that you enjoy some of those inserts. But I do that uh, that, that thermal threat card, the man on fire card. That was that was me. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I thought it was cool. Um, Champs was another one where uh, you know it, it did well. But what some people don't understand is there there's there was supposed to be so much more content in that product that the that the league mixed. We were supposed to have a lot of Canadian memorabilia in there, and uh, that kind of changed the whole product all of a sudden. So, um, champs and then contours. Yep, Connor McDavid's first hard signed card was in contours, and uh, you know, one thing that uh, that people don't know about contours too, and just imagine how this could have changed the set altogether. Like. Uh, as some people know, I, I also enjoy collecting celebrity autographs. And uh, I was like, I want to do a fans of the game, but I don't want to do fans of the game where it's like reality stars. I go, I want like good people. And uh, we had a deal. It was it was all set up uh, with Margot Robbie and it fell through. And uh, I think the agent got a hold of it. She was all excited about it. The agent found out and then all of a sudden, Nixed a few things and took it out. But can you imagine having, because uh, she's a huge hockey fan. She's a huge Rangers fan. And uh, I've actually talked, I've talked Rangers with her and she's very knowledgeable and, and loves the sport. Um, and uh, man, can you just imagine that set 
with that autograph in there uh, for all the people that are Harley Quinn fans or whatever. But so those were those were the first three sets I built, and uh, you know I'm 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 happy I went through that struggle, I guess you could say. Um, and I can't remember if I've told you this or not, but you know a little a, a switch flipped. Um, we were at uh, I believe like a CDD conference or something. And uh, we were at a table and I was with a couple other card shops and, you know, the, for a while, the joke was contours and I was sitting there talking and Carvin, one of your guests was uh, sitting there, he's sitting with us and, you know, we're joking about it. And he's like, I don't know what's so funny. And I'm like, what? And like, I really hadn't talked to Carvin too much. He's just like, you know, these, this is, these are cards that people spend money on. These, this is stuff that shops invested money in. And you guys are sitting here joking about it. Like, you know, some people put a lot of money into it. And, you know, that was, <laughs> he doesn't know this. It's probably the first time if he watches this show, it's going to be the first time he hears it. But that was, that was a, uh, that was a, a change, a game changer. You know, you really have to um, not just think of what you want in a set of cards. And as, as you've seen and, and heard, that's when I really started getting more involved with talking to a number of shops, talking with collectors. Um, just last night, I was on five different breaks on uh, YouTube, on Breakers, on Facebook, just watching breaks, talking to them, asking people what they're breaking. You know, are you excited for SPA? That sort of stuff. So, um, you know, that was, uh, you know, that that little moment was when I said, hey, you know, you can't keep making these sort of products uh, for yourself. you got to make products for, for everybody. And that's the thing is there's so many people that you really have to make products of. I mean, you have a fan base of, of collectors that love, you know, a lot of the vintage stuff. You have set collectors. You have PC guys. You have breakers. You have the, the, the high-end guys. You have the kids. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to make everybody happy with every set. But, you know, our, our job is to create sets for every collector out there. And then there are some sets that you try to make as many people as happy as you can. So that's that's kind of how I, I look at, at building products now. But, you know, those first few products, they were tough and they were learning experiences. You know, I am proud of some of the stuff that were in those sets. And I think some of those sets are a little underrated. But um, I think since then, uh, we've we've really improved or at least I've really improved on on really getting products out there that, that people want. Awesome, man. Okay, cool. You mentioned Carvin, who Carvin is Carvin Chung. For anybody listening who is kind of wondering why a guy by the name of Carvin would would have had a would have been like the switch go off moment for Billy. Carvin was a prior um, product manager, even brand manager at, at Upper Deck. I think you probably Billy started well after he left. Carvin then yeah. went on to Panini where he worked for a while. And Carvin's the guy who invented the cup and exquisite. He then went on to Panini. Now he works for GTS Distribution in in the in the U.S. and uh, and I bet you know when you said you were sitting with him and he kind of looked at you like you know why are you guys laughing? It's because he's now representing the buyers and and uh, you know he's now seen both sides. So I think it's it was a, a really awesome moment that that you were there to hear that and really and the fact that you not only heard it but that you took it to heart and that you then acted upon it. I, I say kudos to you for for take for for really. Um, you know, respecting his experience in the hobby because he certainly is a respected guy in the hobby and uh, so, and and a ton of experience. That's for oh, sure. So, yeah. So and, and he's done he's done nothing but offer help. Uh, you know, 
he, he's always said, you know, hey, I, I've got his phone number in my in my phone. He's like, if I ever need to, if I ever need to call him, he's and he he uh, you know he talks with us every now and then too. So he he's very he's still very important to the hobby um, from a standpoint of just giving feedback and 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 giving out knowledge. I mean, the episode that you had him on here was was great. You learned a lot of stuff. I mean, people look from the earlier days at Upper Deck and and Panini and everywhere else he's gone, you know, you, you can learn a lot of stuff just listening to him talk. Right. And I mean, his perspective is one, he's seen both sides, right? He's been, he's worked for for the car, the company Upper Deck, but he's also worked for Panini. He's worked for the two of the biggest ones. Yeah. And yeah. he's now, and now he works more on the retail side, uh, you know, as a distributor. So certainly someone that I would encourage you to continue to to lean on and, and hopefully he's going to continue to share his valuable experience with you. I think that's an awesome, it's awesome for us to know as collectors that you can lean on that. I wanna just step back a few minutes. We were talking about, you know, your job as a uh, product manager. You mentioned the coordinators and you said that the coordinators are the people who actually build the checklist. Can yep. you, I, mean, I know it's not what you do at Upper Deck, but can you let us know, like, how do these coordinators go about building these checklists? How do they decide what players to put in each set? It's it's a very difficult position because you're building you're building checklists and guys like me, of course, want to have the best checklist there is. But, you know, you're dealing with with stuff like um, uh, for for some sets, you know, uh, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit later, but whether or not you can have uh, retired players in the set. So, you know, if you can't have any retired players, OK, there's that. And then a lot of a lot of inserts and a lot of base sets and stuff have autograph parallels have memorabilia parallels and they have to like go in our database and say oh, okay um i have to hit this certain number of autograph cards and jersey cards in a set do i have in my checklist enough memorabilia from the players that i've selected or enough autographs on the autograph deals because we don't get unlimited autographs for these guys you know we we sign them to a certain number and uh you know we're limited to that certain number, um, so you know they have to they have to coordinate that too amongst however many we build you know fifteen to twenty five different sets. They have to coordinate all this autograph and all this memorabilia throughout all these sets. So not only that, but then they've got to know like we've got uh, CHL game use coming out uh, in a month or so, and you know these guys got to know who the the third line defenseman is on the Erie Otters or whatever. I can't tell you who that is, but these guys are constantly um, checking out box scores, checking out uh, rosters, checking out, um, you know, the magazines come out with the top prospects and uh, they're reading all of them. And I'll tell you who else does that is Grant. Uh, Grant is is huge on, on having the knowledge of who these pe people are. So like he'll review some of the checklists just to make sure like the top guys that he wants are, are in there also. But uh, you know, that's just that's that's part of the job and uh, for those guys and it, it, it's tough and it, it, you're you're literally just trying to like make everything and then you you have like a cigarette that you have to work with so you're only allowed like this much spending in autographs so not every autograph can be Sidney Crosby because he costs this much whereas some of else might be lower so you know they have to balance that um, when it comes to uh, building a checklist for a set. So, and right. we give direction. We'll say like, Hey, th this many rookies or this many veterans or this and that, but 
for the most part, uh, they have to come up with the names. All right, man, that, that's really interesting stuff. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, so before we move on, I want to talk about some of the more innovative things that you've been doing at Upper Deck because, you know, I read a lot of ho- online content and I read a lot of complaints, a lot a lot of criticisms of, of your employer, Upper Deck. And I do think sometimes a lot of it is, is unfair, uh, but that's just my personal opinion. I'm only speaking for myself there. Uh, before we do that, we're going to go through a few more comments and, and questions that are coming up. We'll, we'll address the ones we can. Then we'll talk about some of the, the innovative stuff. I want to also want to talk. We're also going to get into some of the more challenging topics, too, a little bit later. Um, and one of the things that we're going to talk about are exclusives and um, and how Upper Deck goes about identifying these generational talents that, that you guys like to have signed to exclusives. I know we had we've had um, the it's owner of. of <laughs> what? We, we we had the same discussion with uh, with one of your competitors a couple of weeks ago, so I'm I'm curious to hear to hear your side. But uh, picking up from where we left off before, uh, Barry, hello Barry, good evening. He wants to be wow tonight. He's admittedly jaded. He can be critical of Upper Deck on 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 message boards and that. But he says also Greenberger Kline. I met Kline. He is one of the nicest human beings in the world. Total gentleman. Total class act. When I went to uh, baseball card shows and he was signing. Couldn't have been nicer. It was very personable. I never got to meet Greenberg. Heck of a player. Don't get me wrong, but I have a personal uh, story with K-Line. So hands down, K-Line. Okay, cool. Um, Andy has a question. He said, Andy says, how many cards are in 1819 Opeachy Hockey Retro Scratch Offset? And what was the print run? So uh, before you get into that, Billy, because we we talked at length over the last couple of days about print runs and when they are announced, i.e. serially numbered, and when they're not announced. We're going to get into that actually a little bit later when we talk about the sort of the challenging stuff. So Andy, yeah. we will just put that on the back burner until then. Tim says, the cup, the show, best subset ever. How is it made and will you keep it going? Uh, can you address that, Billy? You know, that the show, it, it was that's one of those uh, conversations with Grant. And sitting there, and our UDA is unbelievable. They make some gorgeous pieces. And uh, and we're sitting there, and, you know, we, we have UDA pieces all, all over our office. And Grant, I think that one, that one was – I got to give credit to Grant on that one. He's just like, let's make this into a card. Like, these are so beautiful. And uh, what's funny is, like, we tried to – because they write in the, on the show, they, the big UDA pieces, they write with the chalk. Uh, like the more like an oil oil pen or something, something weird, and so we tried it and it wasn't working. We're like, let's just use you know use a pen. Like <laughs> it, we can't replicate that exactly, but um, yeah, that that's a that's a grant one. I can't take I can't take credit, but uh, yeah, I think they're gorgeous cards. Um, and do you do you, and, is that is that a set that's going to be continued in future uh, years of the cup? As far as you know. Um, it, it we yes and no yes and no um you know initially we started it and it had like i mean there's michael jordan show cards in in the cup like and then we i think we limited it to hockey players and rookies and stuff but you never know i i unfortunately the cup is is something where we kind of stay in the hush about so i'll uh for something that's not out yet, I, I will kind of be quiet on, on the cup. The cup is, is holy ground for us. Sorry. Right. You, right. You guys actually, you know, and I've, it's year after year after year, you guys don't talk about the cup until you announce it's coming. And that's probably not until 
what May of the May of the year. So uh, it might might be a, a bit yeah. a while. I'm one, of the, I'm one of the people that packs it out, like hand packs it, and my phone has like 600 photos on it of cards that we're going to then. I think we put it on Hobby Insider, but like some of the pictures and stuff. But like our Facebook page, and it just kills me because they're on my phone for weeks that I can't show anybody, and I'm like, oh, this is this is a sexy card, but yeah. Okay, cool, man. Hey, you can only talk about what you can talk about. I certainly understand that. The viewers, I'm sure, understand that too. So appreciate that you're on the show at all, and whatever you're you're gonna tell us, I'm, we're all just thankful that you're willing to uh, to to appear on the show. So thanks again for that. Um, the next question comes from Richard. And, uh, you know, we're, it's actually a good question. It's good timing for this question because we were going to talk about sort of um, athletes and, and exclusives and all that. But let's just look at the question here. When Upper Deck sends a stack of cards to an athlete to sign, how are they sent? In two-piece cases, top loaders, one touches, or a 400-count box? Which I, I am myself. I, unfortunately, I'm not part of uh, – I'm not – I've done one signing in Upper Deck uh, – and it was for, uh, uh, and I, I was in Vegas for International Fight Week, and it was for Goodwin, and it was Chrissy Blair, and um, you know I I had all the cards, and she signed them, and I put them all together. But that that's all right. Un unfortunately, I don't want to answer questions that aren't really my department or that I would in incorrectly answer. But um, you know that's I they go from where they're printed to either North Carolina or where they're printed to the athlete. And I can't, uh, you know, I'm not even there. So I, I honestly, I, I don't know the full extent of how they send out cards. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I work in finance in my company and uh, I have no idea really what what our store managers do every day. You know, I shouldn't have no idea, but I, I think that's understandable. I think we all have to accept that, that you can't know, you know, you're there doing your job. You're not doing everybody's job. It's a big company. Everyone's got their thing. So, um, and I'm sure if you did know, you would tell, you would help us understand what you, what you are actually um, sort of in the know about. Um, Super Striker says, uh, do players get penalized in any way if they don't return signed cards on time? I wish, I wish. Yeah. I wish. So the answer, um, so the answer is a quick no to that. Simple as that, right? I mean, a Pasternak fan is that why he's asking? No, um, uh, look, we we wait and we wait and we get we try to get a hold of them, and uh, you know our customer service does the best to uh, try to keep everybody updated on where we're at with with getting stuff back, um, you know. But we're we're doing our best to to call these people, to talk to the agents, to find stuff out. You know, there's there's some crazy stories. I'll tell you what, you know, someone's girlfriend threw away their box because they broke up, you know, just stuff like that. But, um, you know, do you want us to penalize the player and then they don't uh, they don't show up in our product anymore? No, I, I keep hearing more and more that you want more people to sign. So, um, yeah. you know, we just do our best to get the cards back. If if it's somebody that doesn't send their stuff back like uh, uh, regularly or doesn't sign you know, maybe we'll think twice about a second deal, but then again, that's happened before. And then all of a sudden they just have, they flip a switch and then all of a sudden they're the best signers in the world. Um, so I, the answer to that is probably no. I don't yeah. think we really penalize. No, I, 
I can't see you penalize them. Then they're just going to take longer next time because <laughs> yeah. I mean they're busy playing hockey. They're not super worried about the the sports card hobby. I don't think so. Okay, very fair, very fair answer. Scott says loved full force as did I, Billy. Uh, the threats was a tough one though. LOL. Yeah, was, was definitely definitely a, a funny type of card. But you know what? It kind of reminded me a little bit of the Intimidation Nations from the FLIR products in the 90s, which are very popular because it had that redness to it, that reddy orange kind of fire look to it. So, you know, the more I look at them, the the less I don't like them. Um, I don't say I love, I wouldn't say I love them, but I think they're still kind of a cool card. Uh, but that's just me. Um, if, you, if you saw the original concept of the card, I know you've seen my concept cards before. They're amazing. Um, but if you saw the original, like, picture I, there was an Ovechkin picture that I had and I said I want cards to look like this yeah. they did their best I'll just put it that way I'm actually I'm digging through my drawer for a, a, a so the, I, I can't find it right now but you had you drew on a decoy for me at dinner at one at expo last uh, November you drew for me what the open ice card what product was open ice in again uh allure Allure, you you drew for me what they were gonna look like on a on a decoy, and if I can find it, I'll show everybody because it was, boy, I mean, you've seen some of these sketch cards that athletes have drawn. Uh, you you not, might not want to see the one that Billy drew, but uh, I kept I, it and I said I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna show this on the internet one day, so maybe today will be my chance if I can find it. Um, okay, Sean has a question for you, Billy. Love love the new Easter eggs upper deck has released recently, like Pond Hockey from Platinum. Are there any Easter eggs from earlier products that we don't know about? Interesting question. You guys, you guys are good. You, you get it. And honestly, we don't leave we don't leave stuff unanswered. Um, I think Tony Tony's the one that had the the pond cards in there. I used to do uh, OPG. I can't answer that OPG question earlier, but I can't answer the whole question. Um, but uh, it went to Tony about a, a couple of years ago. I think he's done a great job with it. I'm jealous of some of the in some of the variations and stuff that he's thought of. To put in there and the pond the pond hockey thing that was a great idea also um but we don't we don't uh we don't let you guys sit too, too long i mean you guys figured out the, the the photo variations on the base sets and i mean things pop up eventually like you'll we, we don't get the photo variations on the base set has probably been the hardest thing for people to figure out and find and people keep saying can you please just make them look different and I keep saying no, because we want you to look through your cards. We want you to actually enjoy your cards and not just flip through them real quick and be done with it. I'm sorry, breakers, um, but you're going to have to. And we don't give the list out either for a very long time. You guys figure it out. I'll sit there and uh, count how many, like his hobby insider. I think you got some guy that like writes down what all the Easter eggs are. And I'll sit and count every single one that uh, that he has. But uh to kind of, uh, you, you'll, you'll do that to sort of reconcile to your master list and see if they've identified them all. Is that yes, kind of why you do that? 100%. And I love is it, So did, I mean, from what you just said, is it, is it fair then to say that you, you do the photo variations really to force people to, to look at the base cards more closely? Because when you look at when, when anyone breaks now, it's just boom, 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 looking for that hit. Everything else goes to the side. It doesn't matter what it is. Was that really one, one of the motivations behind the photo variation concept? It's one of the motivations, uh, yes. Obviously, it's it's nice to have um, a bigger hit that doesn't necessarily require memorabilia or autographs also. So that's one of the reasons. Another reason is we wanted to look at the, at the stuff. Now, 
100% the reason we don't we don't tell you which ones they are. We don't change the deco foil or the numbering or anything. 100% of the reason we don't do that and haven't done that for the for each set is because yes, we want you to look at your cards. We want you to enjoy the cards. Like I said, that that 87 top set, I if there was a photo variation, I would have found it because yeah. I went through those cards over and over and over again. So yeah. it's, it's it's purposely done. Okay. Hey, that, that's a great answer. It's the one that I would not have thought of. So really happy to learn that. I'm sure that's uh, eye-opening for a lot of people. Um, here's a question from Andy. Basically, he's asking if hot boxes are intentional. I think he said Opichi Hockey has made them. Um, is, is a hot box an intentional concept uh, from Upper Deck? We'll do it um, in different products. Uh, I think we've done it like in CHL sometimes where like you might get four, like normally you get one or two autographs and then there'll be boxes that have four. Um, we've done that in multiple, in a few products. I can't remember all of them exactly because not many of those products I think I've built. I know in Opeachy, we purposely do the black border hot boxes. That's, and we do it two different ways too. There's one version where it's one black card per pack. And there's a nut, there's some very rare uh, version uh, hot boxes where the whole box is all uh, black border number out of a hundred cards. So um, yeah, you're, it's it's purposely done yeah because we we if if you get a box that is crazy with inserts and stuff like that we either purposely did it or it's a mistake by the people packing it out because we do a really good job of, of looping our products to try to make sure that you know there's there's equal value throughout the boxes and throughout the cases okay awesome um we'll go to adam's question next so what goes into creating and branding an entirely new product line such as splendor or ingrained and expecting slash hoping people collect it was it was it always planned to be a one-year set um let's see i i built splendor so i can speak to that um you know i build the cup also and you sit there and how many times do you see people when, when you open up a tin of the cup, a lot of times when you get a big, big hit, like the, the case hit or whatever, the rest of the cards in the pack are kind of, you might uh, say not as strong uh, cards. And I was just like, you know, there's people out there that just want that big hit that are willing, like they're spending this much money to get, um, to get like five or six cards when they're really trying to get this one card. Let's try a set where we do that, where we just give them that one card and don't charge them the price of, of the cup. So that, that was kind of the concept behind Splendor. Now, the reason why we can't do Splendor year and year again is Gretzky, like for as much as you're paying, I, I think you'd expect a Gretzky in there. I think you'd expect Lemieux and those type of players and uh, you know, with memorabilia. And the Gretzky jerseys aren't on the market every day. And when they are, they're quite expensive. So we don't want to burn through a, a Gretzky jersey that we we pay top dollar for uh, just in, in one set. We want that jersey to be able to be used throughout many products. So Splendor, Splendor is something that potentially could come back. Um, you know, I remember when we did buybacks, uh, we all said we're never doing this again because uh, it was it was very tedious you know we had to checklist every single card in there and i don't know it's not like oh checklist cards went through no checklist every single card that we get and we got a mishmash of everything so uh, but eventually it did come back 
and I can see something like Splendor in the in the future if if the if the time is right and and we're prepared to build something like that that it, it could come back. Um, but uh, you know, there's there's different reasons uh, for building new sets. Uh, one is you know just to kind of test the market. Others is maybe some of our other sets have have uh, you know lived its course. Sure. And maybe we want to try something new. Um, maybe you know there's a, there's a big craze right now with with Chrome. Uh, and chromium stock cards. And I think we were only producing Opeachy uh, Platinum at the time. So it's just like, let's get another chrome product out there. And then you have to kind of think of stuff. And do you want another Opeachy Platinum? Do you want it to be exactly the same? No. So we, we have Allure. I, that's another product that I built. But we wanted to make sure that it was different than Opeachy Platinum. And, and so, you know, I had, uh, I was I was online last night with, uh, with Mo from um, from West Sports Cards, and he's just like Billy. I need a bigger checklist. Da, da, da. I go if you get a bigger checklist, you're gonna have OPG Platinum again. Like there's a reason why we we make this set different, but um, there's reasons why we make we make new sets. We don't just make new sets to make new sets. We we either feel there's something missing in the market that we're not doing yet, or uh, there's there's something else that uh, we can improve on. And uh, you know, I, I I mentioned buybacks. Um, you know, I was sick and tired of, I, I watch what people understand. I watch breaks all the time. Like I'm, as I said, I'm on breakers, I'm on YouTube and I'm sick and tired of watching, uh, people break products of our product, like not, not our product. I want to, but like repackaged our own products. And it's just right. like, uh, this is kind of annoying and I don't, but we don't want to repackage our own products. Like, Oh, here's some more, like, but how can we make this different? How can we make this different than people that are repackaging our own things? Well, we've got one of the, the best rookie cards in the card business, our young guns. And there's no autographed versions of these out in the market at all. So that's where it all kind of started. It's like, let's not, let's not let other people make money off of our old cards. Let's do it ourselves and make it even better. Make yeah. it you know, top notch, make it upper deck, you know? And, and so that's where some of the concepts come from is just us, uh, you know, wanting to put out a, a better product. Awesome, man. Okay, cool. Uh, Super Striker has a question about a new, a new I'm not going to put this one up on the screen. It's just a little long, but in terms of a new product idea, have you ever thought about doing a separate set for each team throughout one year? And is that something that you guys could even do from a licensing perspective? It's, that would be tough. Um, you know, we do, we do box sets um, similar to, uh, like the Stanley Cup box set, and we I think we have a rookie box set. And those are, you know, the, the print runs aren't that high on, on those. And so if we were to do like specific teams, we do have, I believe there's someone that does sell the Opeachy team sets, um, if that's what you're talking about. But if you're talking no. about something like the Maple Leaf set that we did, you know, that took that took about two, two and a half years just to do. Uh, you know, to track down all those guys to uh, you know, to we we worked quite hard. Our, uh, our 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 talent acquisition guys, you know, did an amazing job of, of doing what they did. And you know, we weren't able to get everybody, unfortunately. But uh, I, they got some names that haven't signed in in years. So um, to do just a one team kind of set, that that'd be tough. Um, although if I'm st I'm still with Upper Deck, a few years from now, I think uh, I think the Red Wings might be having a, a hundred year or hundred. Some some sort of uh, some sort of uh, anniversary. If we do something like we did with Toronto, I, I might be interested in doing like that. But 
uh, teams, uh, a, just a team only set for every team. It'll just be tough because markets are different. And a lot of it depends on rookies and a lot of it depends on does this city like hockey? Cool. Okay. Talk a little bit, Billy, about like, you know, the, the, the world of exclusives and, uh, you know, you guys, you know, you've had some pretty awesome spokesmen in the past. How do you, how does the upper deck team and who on the upper deck team, what, what, what job, I guess, or what job title is in charge of sort of identifying who the next generational talent is going to be and how early would you say they go out there and try and sign some of these players like a McDavid or a Crosby or whoever the next guy might be? You know, we've got, we've got people out there. As I said, Grant is, Grant is a huge resource. Um, even, even our president, what a lot of people don't know is just how, how involved he is with uh and knowledgeable jason used to own a card shop so for you know people who don't know like there's a reason why we we do our best to to help card shops uh throughout this whole you know collecting process but um you know we've got people and i i, I joke but we, who have their ear to the ice you know they they've been they've been searching they, they're constantly searching for for the next big names and uh and that's that that's kind of it we look for generational talent is the best way of putting it and uh when we had the opportunity to get connor mcdavid um that guy's a generational talent i don't think that can be argued he's he's he and don't get me wrong the other rookies in that class are phenomenal eichel's a great player Larkin's a great player. I'm a homer, so I'm going to say that. But there's other there's other rookies in that set in that in that season that were that great players. But for someone to be, you know, Connor McDavid's been in the top for points every year. He's you know he's he's the man. And luck, we were able to we had people that were able to see that. And uh, you know that goes through through just hockey and other sports. You know, obviously Wayne Gretzky is the gen is the generation. I mean, that's the man. Bobby Orr greatest defenseman of all time. And that's coming from a Red Wings fan who loves Nicholas Lidstrom. Um, you know, and Patrick Waugh, again, coming from a Detroit guy who probably isn't the biggest Avalanche fan, but right. these guys are generational talents and that's what Upper Deck looks for. And, uh, you know, I think it's already been announced, but, uh, you know, we've, we've signed Alexi Lafreniere and that guy is a stud and he's been a stud for the last number of years. And, and we're fortunate enough that, uh, you know, he, he saw what upper deck could, could offer when it comes to, you know, you know, protecting and uh, protecting his, his name and, and his autographs. You know, this whole Jordan phenomenon that's been going on. You talk to anybody that buys that wants to buy a, a, a Jordan autograph. And one of the first questions that come out of their comes out of their mouth is it UDA? I mean, that that's just a statement of how powerful. Um, you know, UDA is and how uh, powerful the upper deck name is to somebody's autograph. So yeah. uh, we've done and Serena Williams is another name, like the all time greatest women's uh, tennis player. Just we look for that talent. And that, that's that's what uh, that's what we've done. Cool. OK, here's a question I want to I want to bring up. I think this is a neat one. Uh, Peter says, do you ever consider harvesting game used material from aftermarket cards of other companies? Man, <laughs> that's a funny question because you'll sit there and be like, oh, that's a great cut signature. I wonder if we get that cut signature, then we'll have, 
but someone will find out someone you guys are smart people you guys can i mean we we've talked about the whole fake patch thing that you guys can find fake patches and you guys can find you know wait this jersey doesn't look like it matches this year that the and patrick Waugh did not wear this kind of pad during this year of his career that you have pictured him with it just no we've never thought of doing that because um our our fan base is too smart and uh we never want to put ourselves in that situation where we look stupid and like oh that's that came from you know whatever so as, right. as long as i've been there no the answer yeah. is 100 no there you go. 100%. No, I love it. I love I love the, the sureness of that. Okay. Charles has a question here for you, Billy. Uh, just wondering, are there any plans to make a retro upper deck set, almost like Opichi retros, but as a whole set with a 70s type vibe? Something you're maybe, anything, something like that you're thinking of doing? Um, trying to think here. One of the things that uh, we were very fortunate, enough, fortunate with, and again, like people... We listen to people. We listen to what they say. We listen to what they want. And one of the things that people did say was they're looking for um, veteran content, retired players. You know, we weren't very strong when it like we had a lot of the same guys over and over again when it came to veteran content. And we've actually signed a deal with uh, NHL uh, Alumni Association, the play, uh, Alumni Players Association, and that's where uh, Chronology Volume One came out. Um, it's fully uh, based from our alumni association deal and uh, guys that we have under contract. It's a fully retired set. And uh, we'll probably put out some more sets like that. And whether we theme it or not, um, you know, there's there's some things in, in the in the works, but there, we don't have anything going yet. But we, we uh, we're working on some on okay. some stuff. We'll put it that way. OK, there you go. So something might be coming out that. Uh... That harkens to that kind of uh, idea. Okay, here's a, I got to put this comment on the screen because I feel the exact same way as Scott here. Sets without or less memorabilia and autographs would be great. I love the idea of more value and in inserts, variations, etc. You know, it reminds me, I was having a chat with somebody on Instagram the other day, and uh, I think I made a comment on his card. Like, I forget what card it was, but it was it was probably maybe a, maybe a young gun uh, acetate retro card or something like that. And I said, hey, awesome card. And he goes, yeah, would that, it would be so much nicer with an autograph. And I thought, no, 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 don't put an autograph on there. So here's my question. Going to make it. Here's my question is, I get questions like that. And yes, we are doing our best to regulate how much memorabilia, how much autographs. We don't want to flood the market. I can't even imagine right now how many autographs NBA players are signing with all the product that's out there. I mean, it's, it's gotta be tens of thousands of autographs just because there's so much stuff and they, everything is loaded with autographs. We, we have actually done our best to try to limit the autographs as much as we can. And trust me, we would love more than anything to create cards without autographs and memorabilia that are worth money. That's where the, the like we were talking the, the photo variations. There's a simple way of creating a card that adds value to the box that uh, doesn't have autos or memorabilia. That being said, then I get those people that are like, oh, I don't get a jersey card in every single box of Series 1. We used to get two jersey cards in every single box of Series 1. Where are the hits? Like, 
there are there are people that that like I said, we have so many different types of collectors out there. There are a lot of people out there that feel I don't get a hit in the box unless it has memorabilia or an autograph on it. So you have to kind of keep that in the back of your mind also when you're building the sets. Um, but uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to. You know, th those aren't cheap cards to make. So I'd love to be able to to do more of that, but it, it's just tough. Yeah, I'd rather personally, I'd rather see more serially numbered. Uh, a tough date inserts, I appeal, good aesthetic. Of a third might the moment, so we're going to talk right through it. Um, okay, uh, what? so Andy says he opened a black border box. That might be why he was asking if that was intentional or not. Ziggy in the house. Good evening. Adam says, great answer. Thank you, Billy. Love Splendor. So very nice. Very nice. Uh, Super Striker, you guys totally scored a goal, a golazo with the new credentials product. Love it very much. It's like contenders from Panini. I don't know if that's what they want to hear, but I'm sure you're happy to, to get positive feedback on that. Uh, Tyler says, and I think you spoke to this maybe before Tyler joined the show, but any plans to include memorabilia in the CHL sat in the, in the future? Yeah, we, we've got, I think it's the end of July, we've got uh, a CHL game used coming out. And uh, it's, awesome. it's, a limited, it's a limited run, but okay. uh, it's, it's, you know, we, we, get, uh, we get some jerseys and uh, we're just like, let's, let's use it, you know. Um, and so we wanted to do something, something cool. And, uh, you know, it's got, it's got some, the stuff, the, this is a big class, you know, you got Lafayette, you got Byfield in there. So it's, it's going to be very successful. Yeah, we just hopefully they actually get to hit the ice and the cards can be made for these guys uh, by sometime in the fall here. Ziggy says, I just joined the show. Um, wondering if Upper Deck will have any new products with LeBron and or Michael Jordan. Now, I know you're a hockey product manager, Billy. Can you speak to that at all? Uh, I can tell you that I believe they'll both be in Goodwin. Um, okay. I'm pretty sure. I don't know okay. if I'm supposed to say that. Okay. So... <laughs> Good, Goodwin is, we we do, uh, and it, it was kind of announced years ago. It's just like, you know, we we still have our, our deal with Jordan. Jordan still signs with us. LeBron just signed with us just recently. We we are signed again for us recently. We just did a whole bunch of jerseys and, and memorabilia and stuff, and he signed cards. I think the, uh, there were shoe cards last year in, in Goodwin also. Um, so, like, these guys, are, these guys are still with us. They're still signing for us. And, uh, you know, but we, again, we protect, we, we protect our spokesman as much as we can. And, uh, you know, we don't want, uh, we don't want our, the, their autographs to, you know, dip to a certain level to where it's just like, man, how is, how is a Michael Jordan autograph selling for a couple hundred dollars or a hundred dollars like that? This is the greatest player of all time. Like his autograph should be up here. And right. we do a really good job of protecting that. So yeah, they'll be in they'll be in a set here or there, but uh, you know you don't see them that often. Okay, so on that note, and you know I don't want to like put you in a in a weird and awkward spot. As I say, I want you to be comfortable throughout this this show. But on that note, how how do you reconcile the amount of Gretzky autographs that are out there uh, 
with you know in terms of protecting the athlete i'm not saying that there's too many i'm not saying that they're that they're undervalued although maybe i am saying that but i'm and i know that hockey is your main license and ha- and gretzky is the number one player of all time um how do you how do you guys sort of balance that out when it comes to wayne gretzky um i don't necessarily know if i'm the one to answer that because uh, we have people that that dictate uh what checklist they go how how often he's used and i'm not necessarily the person that dictates that um i can say uh that uh we have definitely cut back on the use of of guys like gretzky in the past few uh few years and and retired guys because um there's gretzky shouldn't i don't no disrespect to a set like mvp or something like that but gretzky shouldn't shouldn't have an autograph in mvp Gretzky is, you know, a top guy. He should go in our top sets. Now, do we use him in our top sets? Yes, we do. Um, but we're trying to limit him in sets that don't necessarily need to have Wayne in there or uh, or that we want Wayne in there. We want him to really be in sets that are, uh, you know, more pristine and, and uh, in the hobby. So we have cut back. I understand what you're saying uh a while there for a while there you know it, it seemed like Gretzky was in everything and I, I can tell you that we have definitely cut back in in his usage is he still out there yes and one, one thing that hurts too is Wayne Gretzky is one of the nicest guys in the world and uh I have so many friends that uh that get autographs from him at golf tournaments at just meeting him at restaurant whatever and uh he always signs for him I think there's a, a story about him about how he didn't get a signature and he said that he would always sign for, for people. So, um, you know, that's, that's tough too, when it comes to Wayne Gretzky's autograph, protecting that autograph, when you know the guy's so nice, he, he signs for, for who, like people all the time. Yeah. And I mean, outside that, of hockey. That, that's a tough question for me to ask, for me to ask. And I, you know, I get it. I mean, he's your main hockey spokesman. Well, I, one of the top three hockey spokesmen, probably along with Sid, the kid and uh, Connor McDavid, so I get it. And you you obviously there's pressure to put them in products because everybody wants to hit a Gretzky auto in every pack they ever open of Upper Deck Hockey. So, I mean, you're, you kind of have to use them to a degree. But at the same time, I like to hear that you guys are trying to limit the amount that gets out there every year. So that's, that's uh, encouraging to know. Um, Eli has a question here. Hope all is well. Curious as to what is held back for Upper Deck's EPAC program. So this is kind of getting a little bit ahead because we did have you know, in the challenging question type of section, we were going to talk about EPAC, but I think we may as well just hit it right now with Eli's question. Just a second. I have a sign here that says, what would Chris Carlin say? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, what is held back? Uh, when we build a set of cards, we have a specific number of cases that are going to each, each prop to, to, e- to EPAC and to hobby. Um, and those cards are like, and everything is divided evenly and or d- divided like according to ratios of what's EPAC, what's, what's physical hobby. And we sent all that stuff out to, to come see, check out my cards. So it's not us. It's not us messing with anything. It's not us sending them more of this card or that card. Everything is evenly distributed. Uh, we, 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 we give out, uh, you know, to the people, we don't. It, it goes from the people that print the cards to Com C, I believe, and uh, they're the ones that kind of are 
it, it probably goes to North Carolina, but they're the ones that uh, that have all the cards there. So we don't really uh, hold back anything. Um, everything is everything is there's a, the same amount of hits, the same hits that you're going to get in in the physical hobby. Uh, if it's listed as a hobby insert, there there are exclusive inserts to EPAC. There are exclusive inserts to uh, hobby. Um, one of the reasons why we did the acetate uh, or the clear cut parallels in UD1 is because we got complaints saying, wait a minute, you're giving EPAC this opportunity to stack cards to get the rainbow parallels and the speckled parallels. And we're just like, you know what? You're right. So what we've done is we've created a rare parallel of the base set and of the young guns in physical hobby only also. So it's it kind of evens itself out. And now you've got uh, the Easter egg. I think you guys know now you've got even the exclusive uh, clear cut parallels, which are super rare, rarer than anything you're going to find on EPAC. So, um, you know, it, it's, 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 it's evened out. Like it's, there's a percentage and that like, there's a percentage of, EPAC, there's a percentage of physical, and whatever that percentage is, that's what goes to ComC, and they so, take care of it for us. So if you're making, I guess I want to word the question, I want to just sort of re-ask the question a little bit. Let's say Upper Deck Series 1 is an EPAC, pro is an EPAC product, or it's an, also an EPAC product as well as hobby and retail, and let's say you guys are producing 1,000 cases altogether. Is there a certain percentage of that? Give away the number. Hey. You just gave away the number of cases. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Add a couple of zeros onto that. But I mean, is is it kind of like, do you guys kind of say, okay, here's here's the print run for the, pro here's here's the whole, here's all the product for this particular brand. Let's just use a nice round number, a thousand cases. Do you guys then say, okay, 300 are going to EPAC and 700 are going to the hobby shops and forget about retail just for the sake of discussion? Or like, is that kind of, is it allocated at that point? I get numbers. I get numbers, but before I build it, because okay. I have to know how many. I have to know how many of those silver parallel cards are going to be printed, so we can print enough. So, like, we don't want to sit there and people stack cards, and then all of a sudden we don't have the cards. So I have to print enough. So we have those numbers before I even start making the product. We know what uh, the uh, the EPAC numbers and the physical hobby numbers are going to be. Um, so. That's that's already in the in the head when I'm building the set. Can, and so, can you give us an idea? Do do does fifty percent of the production go to EPAC and fifty to stores, or is that you can't share that? I, I can't share it all. Fair. No, stop right there, man. Don't have to explain that if you're not if you can't talk about it. That's all good. Um, you've mentioned North Carolina a couple of times. Can you uh, tell what what is in North Carolina that cards go through there? So, Carlsbad has the whole like product manager team, the coordinators, um, the pre-press, the people that like take care of all the photos and the designs and stuff like that. And then North Carolina, they have, a, a, we have a team out there because we have a, we have a warehouse out there and that's where all of the memorabilia, if you hear me say GUI, by the way, by accident, that's game used equipment. Uh, sometimes it'll slip out. I try, I'm trying to say memorabilia to remember, but um, that's where like our memorabilia is stored. That's where the people who cut the memorabilia are. Um, that's, you know, they, they kind of have their hands in with the whole uh, production of the cards. We like make, we build the set 
cards. We cre create designs and everything in North Carolina, and then the product, the physical production of the cards. Um, a lot of that stuff is done in North Carolina, where the they'll mail like the autographs and all that stuff to our our warehouse in North Carolina. Okay, so you basically have a you just have an operation there with one of the divisions. Okay, yep. cool. Um, Andy has a question. When you make an unnumbered card with a stated print run, do you print more in case you need to replace some? Um, an unnumbered card, stated print. How is it? I'm confused. Well, you know what? Let, let's do it this way. Let's say you have let's say you have a card numbered to 10. So it is it it's actually numbered. That, uh, he's asking unnumbered. So if you if you're not sure what he's asking, we can ask him to to re re ask the question. We can move on to the next one. If, if you're asking if we if we uh, print extra for replace cards, um, you know there's there's always waste that uh, is built into into products. And another thing is we do QA cases, and so um, like we'll have uh, a, I always open up a case of cards myself. Hopefully before the product comes out, and I kind of check and see if everything is distributed correctly because you know if something isn't i, I want to know ahead of time so we can already preemptive strike some of the, the the questions and concerns so we'll we'll have extra cards from like from qa cases also but uh you know uh we use most of what what we have but uh, th there's some waste built into stuff and the way is the waste then can be used as replacement or even as future redemption exchanger cards type of thing. I I don't know what they did. I don't know exactly what they did with it, but uh, sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So speaking about ser serially numbered cards and print runs, can why why are there some cards that are put into sets that are short prints, but where where upper deck won't disclose what the print run is it's it's a matter of perception um you know if if there's no number on it sometimes uh it's considered rarer than uh than if you put a 99 on it or something like that it's it's a matter of of perception sometimes it's also um you know do you want us to number the young guns uh, you know, I think that's that's one of the best arguments that I've heard. Um, you know, that's a ratioed card. Um, I don't know if you necessarily want to number those cards, but uh, it, it's just you know, there's there's some cards out there, and and this is one of the the things that I learned from Grant uh, when it came to building sets was just kind of like when to number cards and when not to number cards. I know there's people that really like to have numbered cards, and then there's others that uh, that don't. Um, and then there's stuff like, what's the difference between a, you know, nowadays I, I'd rather, I'd rather ratio some cards than have one insert that's numbered to 199, another insert that's numbered to 299, a, a parallel, like what's really market value, the difference of a card number to 199 and to, to 299. They're quite similar, but if it's ratioed, one is one out of 80 and one is one out of 120 then you you'll see a price difference in in those cards so you know you just have to know and do we always use do we always correctly ratio the cards we're supposed to ratio or number the cards we're supposed to number not always but uh you know we have a good idea of what should be ratioed and what should be numbered okay interesting stuff um t tell me tell tell us pardon me tell us about the concept of the case hit and how that sort of evolved over time uh, to satisfy certain 
customer segments? Well, we'll we try to make a, uh, a, a an inner or a case or whatever to you know value out for for people. You, you don't want to just have like all these big hits in one case and no hits in another case. So uh, we'll we'll uh, what we call loop a loop a, uh, a product to where um, you know we we divide stuff into case hits, box hits, stuff like that, and. Uh, one of the mis misconceptions is if you get a master, if you have a master case and there's two enters in it, and one enter you get a big hit, there's not going to be a big hit in the other enter. Completely false. Um, I've tried telling this to a million people. Some people actually finally believe me. Some people still are convinced that that one enter was the only big hit. We build stuff by the enter. We build stuff um, by the by the individual like eight box enter, if there's two eight box enters, you're gonna get two uh, potential uh, big hits in there. We want we want you to get you a card of value in there. And some products we don't we don't loop at all. So not every not every like uh, uh, set is gonna have a case hit, uh, so to speak. You're not gonna get um, like in UD1, yes, we have cards that come one a case, but that you're not necessarily gonna get a Kale McCarr uh, exclusive in, in a case or a, um, you know, uh, Jack Hughes or Quinn Hughes or whatever, like those aren't guaranteed one per case, but, uh, we, we try to build stuff by the inner or, and if there's only one inner, we try to build it by then that's the case. But, uh, we do our best to, to even the playing field when it comes to the value that you get back out of a case, I guess yeah. is the best way of saying it. And really, it's a numbers game at some point where you, you know, if you're, you may, op- I, you know, we often see people opening a box of cards and they're very unhappy with what they get. At the same, to- on the same token, you also often see people opening a box of cards and they're very happy with what they get. But when you open a box of cards and you don't get what you, de- what you think is kind of what you deserve or what you're expecting and you're disappointed, it's really easy to complain about it or to be disappointed, I should say. But over the course of time, if you open up enough of them, I think you're, you should hit the odds and eventually hit uh, one of those big cards. And that's really why people open cases now because they wanna make sure they get they get that case hit, right? Yeah. Very true. So Tommy has a question, Billy, unrelated. He basically wants to know, uh, why did you remo- remove foil content from Opeachy? I did that actually, because what some people don't understand is photo costs. You want to talk about building a set. Um, and I think you've heard from some of our competitors about why they don't build large sets anymore. Some of that has to do with the cost of photos. And Opeachy has 600 or some, I don't know what it's at now. Uh, you know, I've built sets that were 660 cards. I had sets that were 600, 500. I don't know. Is it 500 or 600 right now? I'm not, I'm six, not, I believe probably. it's six. Yeah. Six, Still six, and those photos cost money, and those photos cost money to to edit, and you know, uh, and the paper is, uh, is is prices go up on stuff, and so we can't continue to to do the exact same thing and give you this big wide selection of of content um, year after year without having to make some sacrifices with the uh, content and keep the price the same because i believe opg is still a very affordable box of, of, of cards and to have as many um as many photos necessary for that set we had to do something so 
we kind of uh, we went the colored border route, uh, at least when I when I built it. And I think the last I, I didn't build this year's I didn't build the year before. So it was it was two or three years ago. Uh, and that's that's when we started doing it. But it, it has to do with uh, the cost, because another thing. Sorry if I'm rambling on. But another okay. thing is the type of paper that you print on. So you go from it's called C2S is a regular cardstock. So you go from C2S, you can print on C2S. When you change to rainbow foil, you need all new plates to, to start printing on rainbow foil from C2S. So not only have we incurred uh, all these photo costs, but now we need all new plates to print onto uh, rainbow foil. And there's a lot more colors involved in rainbow foil too, because you have to hit it with what we call, it's called opaque white, which is what knocks out the, the shiny foil part of it so it makes the player pop out. So you need even more colors for that. And it just, it, all the little, like I said, you have to kind of think of ways to, to cut costs. And unfortunately with Opeachy, that was, that was one of the ways. And we felt that uh, bordered car, different uh, color borders were uh, sufficient enough. Fair, fair, man. Will Opeachy signatures make a comeback? He also asks, I didn't oh, know they were gone. I don't know. That's, you know, we we took out uh, we took out signatures in UD one and UD two and surprise or UD two for a couple of years and surprise they came back. So it just it just depends on on what we want to do. Okay, um, Al has a question, Billy and I guys. I got to tell everyone out there. We're I'm about uh, there's a lot of questions coming through, so we're almost half an hour behind on questions. So the ones that I'm bringing up now, you guys asked quite some time ago, but oh, we're still gonna. Faster. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay, man. Lots to say. We're still going to bring them up. So Al wants to know, do you see modern retired players like Adroma Ginla continuing to be part of the new top-end releases? Love He loved them in, in Splendor. Of course. He's, he's, a, he's, he's a legend. I mean, we're going to do our best to uh, to put guys like that in there and so. continue to put guys in there. There's, I mean, he he's uh, – Calgary, he's, he's the man, you know. Uh, yeah. So, of course. Okay. And Mike Gurdon when he played there too. Just kidding. Awesome. I'm sure that'll make Al very happy. Stefan says, love a lot of what Upper Deck is doing. Please bring back PMGs. Yes, I will. I will echo that. Please bring back PMGs. Love them. There's um, no hype around PMGs. I don't know what you're talking about. There's what? There's no hype around PMGs. No hype. Right now. I don't know what you're talking about. No hype at all. No hype at all. When the original Jordan sells for $350,000, no hype. Tim says, would love to see something like SP Legendary cut set for hockey. Anything like that maybe in the works or that you're thinking about on the back burner? Um, you know, cuts are cuts are, are difficult. You know, we tried to put, uh, I think we tried to put like 200 cuts into Splendor. And I don't think, no, 400 cuts. And I think we ended up with 200. You know, they're, they're, they're tough uh, to get a hold of. So um, it, it's one of those things where, uh, we kind of build up our build up our um, our inventory, and then we then we're able to use them. So cuts eventually will will come back into certain products, and then we'll probably stop again, and then wait for some more. We don't want to just put like it's kind of a waste to build a whole form for just like ten cuts, you know that sort of thing. So um, we use them when we can use them. So basically, uh, it's almost as if you want to save up, acquire them over a few years, and then put out a set. And that could be 10 years to acquire as many as you would need. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yep. Good. And I just want to mention that uh, Stefan says, I second that, Tim. Legendary cuts would be unreal. So at least, you know, you've got some customers for that. 
Stefan Stefan also wants to say, you know, he's curious about this. Why is there such a lack of vintage memorabilia? I think it could add so much value to products. And I mean, you can agree with it or speak to it if you want, Billy, or, or whatever you want to say. My, my thing on vintage memorabilia is it, it's it's hard to find. You know, we are constantly in all the, you know, uh, we're, we're bidding against in, uh, auctions. That's where I'm looking for. Uh, we're constantly in all these auctions trying, trying to bid stuff, trying to find stuff. Um, I, can, I can say that, uh, you know, we've, especially with, with sets like Ingrained, we might have focused uh, a lot on, on sticks at, in, in, the, in recent years um, to fulfill the needs for those sort of things. But jerseys, vintage jerseys are just tough to come by. Like a lot of our company, a lot of the companies that have vintage jerseys, it's because they were already in the, they, they, they've already had them. They've had them for years. And so, um, you know, you just don't see this stuff coming up on the market as much as it, as it used to. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, we, we get our, we get our deals, we get our jerseys, um, you know, with our deals and stuff. So, you know, we're, we're going to use what we have too. So we don't yeah, want to just know, waste it. I think, I think you can go back and watch my episode last week. I'm not speaking to you, Billy, but to, to even the, the viewers, you, you want to see where there's a lot of vintage memorabilia. Uh, you can watch my episode last week with, Dr. Brian Price from President's Choice Trading Cards and in the game, he had his he has an extensive collection and he sold his company to Leaf, to Brian Gray and Leaf. And I think a lot of the stuff is there. And I think there's competition for that, not just between the different card companies, but with collectors as well. So oh, of course. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, okay. Uh let's see here. What's the next question we're gonna bring up? Um, here's one from Peter. Not to be a Debbie Downer, but how do you decide when to use label autographs? from newly deceased players from newly deceased players uh, are, um you know we've been working on a gordy how if you're referring to gordy how like we've been working on a deal with him for for years and you know we finally we finally worked something out with 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 uh his estate and um you know he had been such a, a big name with upper deck for a number of years uh you know we obviously wanted the opportunity to make Gordy Howe cards again because um what Stefan would be upset if we didn't right is that that's, <laughs> that's yeah that's right <laughs> yeah, that, um but uh you know and sometimes when you say recently deceased players too sometimes you know there were things already going on before they they passed away you know obviously they signed for us and you know uh a couple a couple what uh, Lindsay just passed away and, uh, uh, did Kelly pass away too, uh, for the Red Wings. And, but you know, we've, we've got some of their stuff. So we're very particular, like we obviously want to hold on to what we can, but, um, you know, it's, it's what, it's what collectors are looking for. We're not doing it. Cause we're like, Ooh, this is going to be worth so much more money. Cause he just passed away. It's, you know, we have inventory and we want to be able to use it and get the cards out there for what the people want. Cool. Okay. Any chance uh, you would consider making an insert set of masks? Hmm. It's a tough, oh. uh, tough question. <laughs> you want the short answer or the long answer? Give I us mean, the short one. Give us a short one, then I'll let you know if we want the long one. I'm, do I'm doing a filibuster like uh, like Price here. I, I want to go for three hours. No. Um, the 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 we the league is very protective about uh, artwork from masks, and I think this was actually brought up uh, by in another uh show of yours where they don't want uh the artists 
I think uh, have something to do with um, uh, arguing with the league, like you're using our artwork and stuff and, and showing off our artwork and we should get something for this and whatnot. So um, it, it's tough. You know, we, we set up, we had an insert in portfolio that was going to be crazy sick where we actually hired the artists for the goalie masks of different, like the top artists of, of goalie masks. And we were going to have them make inserts for us, paintings, drawings and stuff. And we were going to cut them up puzzle pieces, have the original art and everything. And, uh, you know, to be safe, the league said, uh, no, like, let's, we don't want to, we don't want to risk it. You know, uh, I wonder, applications. I, I wonder, Billy, because, you know, oftentimes, you know, customers, collectors, hobbyists, myself, uh, we always have ideas for things that we'd like to see. And we, it's so easy to say, oh, Upper Deck should do this or, oh, Upper Deck should do that. But is it, is it that easy? How, how constrained are you by the licensors, NHLPA, the NHL, with sort of the ideas that you guys can actually run with? Um, you know, how often are you shut down on ideas that you might, that, that they might shut down on you? I know I've already mentioned two things that I was just like, oh, they were going to be so cool. But uh, the league is very, the league works with us, you know, they, within reason that, you know, they, they do their best to, to, um, to, to work with us on, on sets. And uh, I think it's uh, Jen, she, uh, in the, in the, for the, the league, uh, she's, she's great. And, you know, we're in constant contact. We, we check with them beforehand. We check with our legal department beforehand. You know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, hoops that we go through, but, you know, if we have an idea and it's a it's an appropriate idea, you know, they're they're going to do their best to to make it happen. Um, it's just if there's if there's legal things that are in the way, um, be, better safe than sorry is the best way to put it. Sure, fair enough, fair enough. Charles says, yeah, we should we should. This is back to a few minutes ago, but we should be valuing inserts more like really well made nice action shots of players. I mean, there is a more, there is a movement towards that. Now I'm sort of, I'm, I'm definitely on that, uh, on that bandwagon of, of, of um, enjoying the, the rare inserts, the cool acetate and all that. Uh, Amit wants to know, will there be any more Canadian tire sets? Um, that's up to Canadian tire. Uh, we'll, we're ready to build one if they want it, if they want another one. Uh, that was a great uh, partnership that we had. Uh, I think I granted myself built the first one and then Tony built the second one. I think he did a great job and, uh, you know, it was, it was a great partnership. It's just, uh, you know, whether, whether it works out for them. Yeah. And I think that could be dependent on just what's going on in the world right now too, with, uh, how, just how open their stores are going to be, um, in the next little bit. Uh, Andy wants to know, does Upper Deck own the Parkhurst name and could they make a full set in the 5152 Parky size and style? Um, as far as I know, obviously we make Parker, so we have the name, uh, when it comes to the designs, uh, it's similar. I believe it's similar to like Opeachy where we don't own those designs, like for Gretzky's rookie year, like that sort of like, we don't own those designs. Those are owned by those companies. And, and we, we have the name. We don't, we don't have those designs. No. Oh, that's interesting. You have the name, but not the, oh, that's very interesting. Nice to know that. Okay. Appreciate that. Here's a question from Barry Grice. Can you ever do subsets, autos, mem of actors from big hockey movies like Slapshot, Youngblood, et cetera, et cetera? That would be a massive win, hint, hint. I love the idea. Yeah, 
I'm the I'm the inter- I'm the I'm the Hollywood guy. I'm the one that uh, that loves that sort of stuff. You know what's funny, and I'm, I'll do this real quick. And I'm talking too long, but I love the picture that you uh, posted of me for your thing. And I'm like, where did he get that picture? That's a really good picture of me. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's from the picture of me with Camilla Monroe, who is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's girlfriend, who's also an actress. Uh, yeah, see, there's there's that headshot. So that's I, it. I love I love entertainment, and so I would love to do something like that. Um, it's just a matter of uh, the licensing. The the Mighty Ducks had I think their 25th. It was the 25th anniversary a few years ago. Man, I was all about that. I wanted to do something, but you got to get the licensing for it, and that costs money. And if you do a little insert set, uh, I don't know if it's going to cover the price of that license. Fair. So yeah. just I mean. Mighty Ducks is kind of probably going to be an expensive license coming from Disney. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, you know, as for that pic- for that picture of you, I did go on your Instagram and find one that I thought would be appropriate for the thing. I'm just going to throw out if any anyone wants to follow Billy on Instagram, there is his Instagram uh, handle going across the ticker right now. So go check him out on Instagram. But yeah, Billy, that's what I did. I, I went and found a picture that I thought you looked decent, and I. Uh, I, I got rid of the resty and just made you into a bobble. You, you made me look good. Yeah, I thought I thought you looked all right. Thanks. <laughs> Here's a question from Richard that I know you're not going to answer, but we're going to put it up anyway because just to see how you respond. How many Connor McDavid young guns were produced? How many Connor McYoung? Um, which which version? <laughs> the main version. The young guns. One hundred exclusives. <laughs> there were ten high gloss. And uh, I think that's that's about as far as I can go. Got it. Got it. Okay. Let's see what Chris says. Uh, where you say a card is limited to 100 but is not serialized or extras printed for potential replacements. Okay. That's going back quite some time uh, on the show. So that's just how far how far behind we are on questions here. Do you want to touch this one again? Or I think we... We'll, we'll build waste in the product. We can't build the exact amount of cards that go into a set and expect no damage, expect no jam ups, no anything like that. So we build uh, a, a percentage of waste and um, that's, you know, if, if something does happen, we'll we'll have some, uh, I mean, that's how we had the McKinnon cards. You know, we built a certain amount of waste because right. if something happens, you have to, you, you know, you don't, you, you're losing money if you don't. Richie, the mayor of Canada, Barone, would like to say hello to both you and I. Richie, welcome. How did he not, did he not ask that cut, the cut signature well, question? The, the, next, the next comment, Billy, is more dead cut. So, so he, he got it in there. He got it in there. Um, here's, okay, and here's the next question. This next question is from Costa, and he's asking, and Costa, I appreciate the question because it's one that I had for Billy, so we'll, uh, we'll jump into that one right now. Um, I like platinum and SPA, but why are there so many update cards from other years? Um, are you oh so what we talked about past product stuff? You know, yeah. um, we we have a certain amount of cards that we need to have to pack out stuff out, and sometimes we don't always get everything in in time. Sometimes the players don't return stuff uh, on time, so uh, we're sitting here with these autographs and. You know, we don't want to we don't want to throw them away. Like a lot of these are, are good cards. So and a lot of these also fill set like finished sets. So we, uh, you know, we'll put them in as past product stuff. We, we, we've done it in a, in a number of 
of products. A lot of times, um, if you get one of those past product autographs, it's either a really good autograph, like say Crosby doesn't turn in his stuff on time. You know, you might get an older Crosby. You're probably not going to complain about that. But if it's if it's another guy, if it's an uh, uh, you know a, a lesser player, a lot of times those those cards are extra hits in, in the set. Or uh, you know we don't consider them. You know, a guy like Crosby obviously will consider a big hit, but uh, we don't necessarily consider some of the other uh, older cards as bigger hits. We'll put them more as the filler kind of hits in there. So you know you're still getting good value out of your box, even if you get an older card. Okay, cool. Here's a question from Richard. Again, I don't know that you'll answer it, but there's a big debate on the print runs on black future watch autos. Some people say five, some say 10. And Billy, I mean, I've been seeing this, this debate, this question for quite some time now. Can you, can you settle the score on that? Or is this something you're just not able to talk about? Can't talk about it. That's, that's one of those print runs that, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's low. It's very low, and we just don't want to. Uh, it, it adds value. That's one of those where it's so rare. It adds value to it with, if we don't tell you the print run. Yeah, and it keeps people talking too. <laughs> so okay, uh, he also wants to know: Did you create the compendium? Or sorry, Costa wants to know: Did you create compendium? I did not. Um, that was our EPAC team that uh, that built that set. Okay. Uh, I was not a part of it. Sorry. Okay, cool. Here's a all good, man. You only know what you know. Uh, Amit wants to know: Is there any appetite to do a massive, costly product like a like Tops does with Transcendent? We're always open to ideas. Um, you know, it, it, right now, <laughs> where you know you have to try to bring a bunch of people in and you have to have someone come in, that's it's probably not a good idea. But uh, you know, there, there's there's always an, an opportunity out there for for something like that. We just we would if if we wanted to do something like that, there'd be a lot of research involved uh, before we even uh, would want to execute something uh, like Transcendent. And I'm sure they've done. I mean, they've been doing it year after year now, so they kind of know what's going on. We've never done it before. And as you know, if we were to do it, we'd want to do it the upper deck way, which is you know top notch. So yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Barry has another question here. I I, what, I don't know uh, what this one. Uh, well, let me just read it out. You guys have a gorgeous Bobby Orr jersey. Why don't you use it? You have his autographs. I w- what does that mean, Billy? Bobby Orr is um, not a fan of cutting up memorabilia, and we respect the we respect his opinion on that of his memorabilia. We will not we will not touch um bobby or memorabilia that's why you don't see it in there he is more than happy to sign he is a great signer for us um but uh memorabilia wise he he doesn't want uh he doesn't want us to do it and we don't we respect his uh his wishes ton of sense to me and uh sorry if there's any lag there guys and i mean if you uh were to cut up a bobby or jersey he may never sign for you again is that is that fair to say very accurate. <laughs> That's very, very accurate. accurate. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you basically you gotta you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do to nurture that relationship because he's obviously one of the greatest of all time. So great answer. I mean, just great information. I should say. Thank you for that information. Um, 
Peter also wants to know, have you ever or are you considering making a helmet mask game used car? I mean, this is something that's been talked about for years. Can you can you do up a, can you cut up a helmet and put it into cards? We'd love to. It's tough, and we have to find someone that can cut it up and, and give us pieces that can go into a card. And we have to be able to even get the masks. So there's a lot of there's a lot of factors into that. It'd be it's you know um, we just put, started putting uh, skate blades in a couple. We did it for the cup a few years ago. So um, it's just one of those things where you know there's not a lot of flat areas to a goalie mask either. So it, it, it's it's a difficult it's a difficult cut. And, um, you know, it's something that we would definitely like to do. But uh, as of right now, um, we're still working on it. Okay, fair. Um, Andy's question, I think I know the answer, but I'll let you take it. If you own the name and not the design, i.e. Parkhurst, how could you do a... And I think he was more or less asking some of the other guys in the chat room, but how could you do a 7980 retro set? You can't. No, I no, and I th I think uh, it was done. It was done back in two thousand eight nine, I believe, and I think it was never done again. And maybe you guys got your wrist slapped a little bit. I wasn't there. You. That's right. That's another thing I want to mention to everybody watching. Billy's been with Upper Deck since two thousand fourteen, so he's been there for six years. And you know, just in our our us chatting over the last couple of days, and I mean, well, we've chatted quite a bit over the last six years, but even over the last couple of days, um, you know. You met. You mentioned to me that, like, you know, Upper Deck's been around for a long time. It's been around for thirty years. You've been there for six. There's things that went on before you got there, and then you know, there's there's your tenure there. So I think, um, you know, and we've I think we've been really good, and the viewers tonight have been really respectful of the fact that you know you haven't been there from uh, nineteen eighty nine forward, and uh, so you only really can know what you know and what you've seen, and. Um, you know, in our discussions, you made it clear to me that, you know, you're actually quite proud of what's going on there. You're, 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 you're proud of the integrity of the people you're working with. You've said you work with great, great people. And, uh, you know, I just think it's important for people to understand that, that, you know, it's easy to blame somebody who might work for a company you have issues with, but when they've only been there for a few, for six years, and a lot of the, a lot of the issues may have come from before then, I think we got to cut you slack and thank you for even making yourself available to the, for this discussion tonight. I mean, it, it, I do appreciate it. I'm sure the viewers do too. Hope that made think, sense guys. I was kind of just talking I, off the cuff there. I think I mentioned this to you really quick too, and I, I won't ramble on about it, but you know, I I've been there since basically Jason has been president and uh, you know, every single year I've been there, the, the company has grown, you know, we get bigger and bigger and, and we've been expanding more and more and more. And, you know, you hear stuff about Upper Deck, you hear this and that uh, from people. And, you know, it, it, a lot of that information that these people get is from guys that talk to people that maybe worked for the company years ago, back, uh, back in the day, or stuff that they heard from somebody at the expo and this and, you know, a lot of, a lot of hearsay, a lot of telephone game sort of, uh, sort of stuff. But uh, as I said, the years I've been there, um, have been nothing but amazing. And as I said, I've, I've gotten to see, um, we've, we had to move build, we had to switch buildings because we were getting so big, you know, so uh, the company is, is uh, doing quite well right now. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that I've seen uh, stated publicly is that Upper Deck has no money. They can't sign, they can't pay their athletes. I mean, and I don't, I'm not going to say it's true or false. I don't know. But I mean, is it fair to say that you know, that's sort of a, an older thing that, I mean, I don't want, I don't want even want to ask you the question, but 
in my I'll, sort of I'll, opinion, go. I'll answer the question this way. There, there's going to be some uh, huge. There's going to be some huge news in in the next uh, number of months of of of, of just uh, stuff that Upper Deck is doing that I'm so excited to be about that I can't talk about. But you know, just with with what we're doing, there's there's some there's some big things, big names and stuff that uh, Upper Deck's involved with that, uh, and that's all I can say. But uh, the, that in a few months from now. That'll it'll answer a few of those questions. Yeah, I, I think I think you know I think the point I was even trying to make sort of was that um, just because you heard something ten years ago doesn't mean that it's still true. Doesn't mean that it was ever true. And people love to uh, people people in general. I think it's a lot of people have it in their nature to enjoy spreading uh, other people's misfortune. It almost makes you feel better about yourself sometimes and. Um, I, I think it's unfair a lot of the time, uh, but you know, I don't know. This isn't really a less a show on morals and how to live your own life. We're supposed to be talking about about sports cards and tonight hockey cards and upper deck cards, but um, certainly goes a long way with me when people are able to think a little bit more critically and not rely on things they may have heard a super long time ago and then put those out on the public domain as well. When you're a lot of the time. Uh, you may be talking out of your ass, but you may not be. So, okay. Um, Andy wants to know, how long do you keep the waste cards for? Indefinitely or something other than that? I, I uh, no clue. Uh, that's that, that's in North Carolina. That's that's where all those cards are. So no idea. I I, I know that they I've, I've, I've witnessed a, a sad uh, tossing of a lot of good cards uh, just because, it's it's done, but I, I don't know the exact time of that. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> some other cool, some other funny comments going on between the, the Richie must be a Grateful Dead fan wanting dead cuts. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he very easily could be, very easily could be. Richie, you might want to speak to that. Oh, you probably do below. I just haven't got there yet. Uh, let's see what Bill says. Bill's always got good thoughts. Bill says Upper Deck introduced their famous hologram to prevent counterfeits. Will Upper Deck take a similar industry lead to discourage patch faking? I, I can't really answer answer that. I know, um, and we, we've had this discussion about patch and patch faking. Um, I, I mentioned to you, you know, I, I have on my phone pictures of all the. 99 cup rookies from the last uh, from last year and you know each year we send those to our marketing department and and they've got them so if there's ever any questions about those cards we know there's big, those are big cards um, it's just it it would cost a lot more money to be able to take pictures of all these cards to be able to put stickers on these cards and it would affect the uh, the cost of of making these making the cards and and the cost of the box just because we're going to have to add another incur another cost to to creating those sets. Um, I have tried to, uh, I know SP game use, like we get those all-star jerseys and I, I actually had them add the pictures of the jerseys. So you know exactly what jersey you're getting those cards from. Where we can do it, we're trying, but um, as for holograms, you know, tops, kudos to you for, for being able to handle that. But uh, you know, as of right now, it's, uh, it's I don't know if it's really in our, uh, uh, in our plans. 
Okay, cool. Tommy wants to know, will, will you or have you been planning on making another national team set like the 0405 Upper Deck All World? Now that's before, that's uh, 10 years before you came to Upper Deck. So not sure how familiar you are with the set. Uh, are you familiar with that set, Billy? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Something um, like that? Depend, like with when you come when you deal with like worlds and 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 countries and stuff like that sometimes you have to have uh rights to even the countries like team usa or stuff like that so some of those sets are difficult but um i'm not sure it, it's not it's not in the plan yet it's not in the plan right now i'll just okay. answer that no problem. Um, Amit just wants to say that, you know, he's sorry he hasn't returned his signed cards back to you yet for future fans of the game inserts. So, um, but I'm sure he'll get those out to you soon as long as his girlfriend doesn't throw. Oh, what's that there? What? What? I got, I got him, Amit. Don't worry. I got them. They're right here. <laughs> yep. That is the Amit 8586 OPG rookie autographed. Yes, autographed. Very so, nice. I think we both have the one of one of that card. So something strange going on there with uh, at at uh, at at um, at upper um, at, at a meat deck. <laughs> yeah. Um, Andy wants me to not forget to answer uh, your his 2018-19 OPG retro scratch card question. I can answer one of. I can answer half of it. Um, okay. Because I think the checklist is out. There's. I believe there's a hundred. Uh, cards that have the scratch off and I cannot tell you how many there are of each, but a hundred of the checklist is a scratch the off checklist is a hundred, a hundred different players. Yes. Okay. Very good information. Um, Peter wants to know why are there no hard signed autograph cards with Sidney Crosby along with other players? Um, I believe we, we have a McDavid, uh, Crosby card in, uh, We've we've had some Crosby combos as of late, um, but uh, you know some players some players have restrictions on uh, on who they sign with, and uh, but Crosby has has uh, become a lot more um, uh, allowing us to to pair him with with uh, different players. So um, I think you'll see more in okay. the future. Okay. Uh, there's a comment here from someone who hasn't clicked the big blue box on streamyard.com. So whoever was asking, I'm going to, I'm going to say the question, but whoever this is, if you can go do that, I'll put that up on the bottom right now. So check out the ticker, go there, click on the big blue box, and then we can get you more involved. But his question, Billy is what's the thought process of producing a non SPA future watch auto of a player. Then next year have an auto of him. We, if you're not understanding it, we're going to move on. Um, okay, let's let's just skip it. Uh, do you know who owns the Parkhurst designs? That's, no? that's beyond me. Okay. Um, and how about, do you know anything about Essa Tikkanen and why uh, any chance to get an autograph deal with Essa Tikkanen? Tommy's been asking about Essa. <laughs> that's, not, that's, that's our TA department. Sorry, I, I don't. Uh, and what's TA? Is that talent account? acquisition? Talent acquisition. So you just, just not something that you can really answer about. Okay. What does Richard say? Um, if a person thinks there's a possibility that a patch piece was swapped by a shady character, can customers call in and confirm the patch? Um, we would be able to be able to tell what Jersey it came from. Like we have, we have a log of, of exactly what jerseys um, come from, but where on the Jersey and what, I don't necessarily know if we can do that. 
Um, I just know we have record of what jersey that we have that each each uh, patch would have come from. Okay, so that's something. Uh, Richie Richie says, do you want to put the mayor of Canada uh, on for for fans of the game for the Islanders fan next Islanders fans of the game card? Hey Richie, you, you never know you might get your your prayer answered there, right? I'm, I'm waiting for him to do a, a puck drop so we can have him uh, and UD uh, UD one for the puck drop card. There you go, Richie. Talk to your friends at the Islanders and get get out there for a ceremonial puck drop, and we'll finally be able to collect a real card of you. Um, awesome. Okay, another question from Barry. He wants to know why doesn't Upper Deck do something like tops now with memorabilia autos using hockey sticks, pucks, etc. from significant NHL events as they happen in real time? That would be amazing. Uh, we have our we have our um, game dated moments, and um, I think I, I, of course I think we'd like to expand on, on that. Uh, you know, we've only had game dated moments for a year or two. I don't think tops was. I don't think Tops Now was really doing memorabilia and autographs until they got Tops Now figured out, and so we're we're figuring out uh, game dated moments. I think we've we've done a, a pretty good job of it. Um, right now is obviously a weird time to have game dated moments because we're not playing hockey, but uh, you know it could be something that you see farther down the line. It's it, you know it's not out of the realm of things, but as I said, I think we I think we want to get a handle on on game dated moments first, just like Tops had to get a handle on, on tops now before they started doing everything. Okay. And you know what related to that? I mean, uh, you know, someone who consumes a lot of online content for this hobby and, and is now making it myself as well. I'm really watching what's going on with this tops project 2020 concept has upper deck taken note and seen what's going on with that and the volumes of cards that are being sold by tops direct to consumer. What, what are you talking about? No, just kidding. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, yeah, of course. You know, we, we Tops has done a, an amazing job marketing that that program, and it came at, you know, it, it couldn't have come at a better time. Um, would this stuff be going for what it's going for now if if we didn't have COVID? I don't know. Uh, the, the market was was moving up in the first place, so maybe, maybe not. Um, when it comes to, you know, something like that, if you're talking about the artwork specifically, I think I've already mentioned the fact that. You know, we've tried to do artwork with cards and, and uh, you know, we have to we have to be very careful when it comes to artwork and the legal aspects of it, um, working with the league. Uh, um, you know, is, is there something that we're, we're thinking about? We have our we have a bunch of different daily packs. Has anything taken off like Tops Now has or has uh, the 2020 product? No, but there, there's still something, you know, we've got some Marvel stuff that's that's quite popular. We have, uh, you know, a few other the. Um, uh, our gaming uh, stuff is, is, has done quite well. So, you know, we have some stuff and uh, is it something to look into? Yeah, of course. It, it worked very well for, for Tops. Um, you know, but if we do it, we don't want to do it just like Tops did. We want to do something else. So, yeah. you know, we're always trying to think of ideas of something that we can do. And Tops has shown that there's a there's a there's an avenue to be able to do something like this. So, you know, upper deck. Let's uh, let's come up with our own ideas. Awesome. I mean, if nothing else, it can be a, the seed for a brainstorming session for your team and try and come up with a concept that's uh, as cool, much different, and something that I can't wait to see what it ends up being. Uh, Richie goes on to say that he has actually done a puck drop, so now we need photographic evidence yeah. of that. We need a a licensed photo of it for upper deck to purchase, and then we can finally get our mayor of Canada cards. 
So he's going awesome. to be asking for a lot. Yeah. Uh, Andy, who has been very involved tonight. Always thank you, Andy, for that. Thanks for the interview and answering these questions. So Billy, thank you from Andy for answering the questions. Rich then has a question. Do you ever think of putting a picture of the memorabilia on the back of the card as Fleer used to do? Uh, like I said, if we it, SP Games was really like the only opportunity for us to do that. The problem is like there might be cards that uh, require multiple jerseys. Like we might finish up a jersey in one and then another one. Well, you know, yeah. someone's going to look at it and say, wait a minute, this doesn't match the picture of this jersey and stuff. So, you know, that's that's a tough that's tough also just because some cards might require having multiple jerseys in the in in the, in the card. Okay, very cool. And now Peter's, I think Peter might have been the, the uh, anonymous question from earlier. So here's his question. Why is it one year there is a non-autoed SPA future watch, then next year he has a future watch auto exam example, uh, Jake DeBrusque? Can you? Uh, my, my guess would be that we make back, that uh, some of these guys we make backups for. And um, there's still the the want for um, for autograph, uh, you know, future watch cards. So um, they might they might have turned in their stuff late, and then uh, we put them in. We got again, it's the past product sort of thing. So we wanted we with SPA. The problem is you don't want to hold in the checklist. So we make back non autograph backups for them, but then they turn their stuff in so then let's fill that hole with what the what the consumer really wants okay cool andy want andy's final question where can he find a checklist for the scratch off cards um it, it was it was form one of opg so what's that the first 90 cards of the set oh it's all over the place oh it's <laughs> mixed funny that a joke i only get okay uh, I'm trying to figure out what you mean by that. I, I, I can look for, I'll, I'll look for it. Uh, I'll be in the office on Wednesday and, and I'll have access and, and just, just remind me and uh, I can look for it. Put put a note in Hobby Insider. For those of you who don't know also, I read Hobby Insider at least twice. Like I go into work. That's one of the first things I check is I'm on Hobby Insider to see what, what Jeremy's talking about. And so then I can put faces to, to names when I see you at the uh, Hobby Insider dinner. Um, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> no, that's all good. I don't do as much talking on Hobby Insider as most people do, but as, as I shouldn't say as most, but as many members do. But uh, nice to know that you're on there reading and trying to keep tabs on the pulse of the hobby. Uh, Richard wants to know, does Upper Deck hire Canadians? I would love to move to California. Our brand manager, Paul, just had a baby. Congratulations, Paul. He's he's Canadian. I We have to hear, uh, and he's a Vancouver fan. So if you wonder why there's Vancouver guys on the boxes nonstop, it's because for some reason they have a really good job of uh, drafting. And so they get yeah. like the top rookie every year. And the other reason is uh, Paul does not hesitate to put them uh, on the box. And we, we, we bug them all the time, but no, there, we have, we have Canadians that work uh, for upper deck. Yes. So hilarious. So the message to Richard is uh, get your CV together and shoot it off to Upper Deck. And I just want to speak to the Opeachy checklist for um, for Andy's benefit again. Uh, you know, even if Andy, you might want to reach out or send Billy a, a, a private message on Instagram. You can get a hold of him there as well if you're not active on Hobby Insider. Uh, okay, we're we're at the two hour mark, Billy. So we're going to take a few more comments and then. Um, 
I'm going to show a video that aired on uh, CTV News last night. Uh, on I heard some celebrities in there. Some celebrities, but really it's about, I just want to really highlight that, you know, this hobby right now is getting some mainstream attention. I happen to be in this video, so it's not me just kind of getting more of myself on the screen. I'm on the screen enough, but I think it's it's cool to show to anybody who might not live in Canada and did not see that on on national news um, last night. Um, Chris says, Billy, what are your thoughts on the subtle back change variation in sets? Do you like them or think they're too hard for collectors to notice? I think they're great for sets like Opeachy. I think they're great for like, I mean, obviously you're not going to do anything like that for the cup, but, uh, I think, I think they're fun. You know, um, it's, it's, it brings back memories for me. I'll put it that and you way. know what? You know what I like about it, Billy, is that it's one more thing that 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 you have done, that Upper Deck has done, that is innovative and different. And I'm not saying you're the first ones to do it, because I don't know. So I'm not going to say it's innovative, and then someone's going to say, well, well, Tops did it in 2013 or something like that. I don't know. But to me, it was innovative. I've never seen it before, really. So I like that, you know, you're, you're trying things, mixing it up, testing concepts, seeing if they work, seeing how the seeing how the how the hobby responds to them, you know. We were talking about other sort of innovative concepts that uh, Upper Deck has done recently. And I'm going to just kind of list some of them off here because we, we put this list together, uh, Billy and I did earlier today. And I thought it was pretty interesting. So things like the Frameworks uh, jersey card that I believe was your idea, Billy. Uh, you guys did the silver cards in the cup, which are amazing cards. You did the, the printing plate booklets, which was something that hadn't been done before as far as I know. You did the ticket booklets and the autograph ticket booklets were another concept that was new and hadn't been done before. And then you've told me about something called carbon fiber cards. Do you want to tell people what carbon fiber cards are? Yeah, I mean, you know, like uh, the, and ingrained, I think we had, uh, they signed on carbon fiber, um, like the st stick material, um, and they signed the little the little pieces, like the old signature shots. Well, what, uh, what JT has done is he's actually made cards completely out of carbon fiber. So little technical slowdown here, Billy. Let's get you back. Okay. I don't know if you guys can still hear me uh, or if it's just Billy that's frozen on us. So I'm going to move along and I'm going to play that video now for everybody. So can someone make a comment and let me know if you can hear me right now, please? Can someone let me know if you can hear me right now? Yes, okay, thank you. Billy is gone, I'm good. Okay, thanks guys. So until Billy comes back, I'm going to put on this, uh, okay, he's totally gone now. Okay, no worries. So look, I'm gonna put this on the screen. Uh, this is a, this was on local news here. Um, I think it was actually maybe Canada wide cause you can see it on the CTV national news, but have a look at this guys. I'll just hit play right now and we'll make There's that. There's no doubt businesses everywhere have been hard hit by the pandemic. But business is booming for one industry. Adriana Jung has more on the rise in sports cards. Sports cards have experienced a sort of renaissance in recent years and has garnered quite a bit of attention lately. We have cards that 
you know, in the past week have sold for almost a million dollars US for a modern era card, which is the new record for a modern era card. Davis is referring to a baseball card, specifically an autographed Mike Trout rookie card that sold at auction for just over $922,000 US. And in the last three months, the industry has exploded. We can't keep up with demand, uh, especially in the basketball football market. There's a few reasons for that. There is the collecting aspect, but there's also an investing aspect to it. Historically, the trading card market uh, seems to weather financial crisis. Jeremy Lee is a lifelong collector and investor. He also hosts a live show on YouTube discussing the industry, and he says sports cards have become an attractive investment. But a lot of buyers, collectors, slash investors, um, they weren't spending their money on travel and other fancy things because they couldn't. So they had all this money available and they went to sports cards because it connects it connects us as collectors to these athletes and to our favorite teams. With sports canceled, the documentary series The Last Dance, which follows Michael Jordan's final season with the Chicago Bulls, was released earlier than scheduled. All of the anticipation for that started driving up the value of Michael Jordan cards. And then it ended up having the effect of dragging up the values of other cards as well. The values went up like to the tune of 400%. David says even cards that are due to oversupply are getting a bump in value. Most cards produced in the mid 80s to the mid 90s, known as a junk wax era, are worthless. For example, this 96-97 Michael Jordan card is worth $2. But with a high grading now, it could be worth between 50 to more than 100. So if you're sitting on a collection, this might be the time to dust it off. Adriana Jung, CTV News, Calgary. All right. So anyway, I wanted to show you guys that because number one, I was in it. And uh, number two, it's just nice to see our hobby gaining some uh, mainstream exposure. Billy, welcome back. I don't know what happened to you there, but uh, glad to have you back. My friend's computer doesn't work anymore. The internet's out. So I'm using my phone right now. So if okay. it's a little tricky, I apologize. Okay. Nice. Just happy to have you back. So um, let's get back to some more. Okay. Listen, man, we're at the two hour and uh, nine minute mark almost. But uh, I'm okay with going for a few more minutes here if you have the time, Billy. How are you for time? I'm not doing anything, so let's do it. Okay, so let's see. It's I've got to see if I can find where I left off before, but uh, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to pick up right here with Terry's question. He says, do your contracts with players state a total number of autographs over so many years or a specific number each year? It varies. Uh, again, I don't. I don't do the. I don't do the contracts. Um, so some of them are for a certain period of time. Some of them are for longer. Some of them are exclusive. You know, like our our spokesman. It, it just varies. Okay. Peter says, "Are players getting their autograph cards back to you faster now that they are home, hanging out for nine weeks?" Well, the problem is I'm home too, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Questions. I don't know answers to are coming up, so we're gonna fly through them. Okay, awesome. Scott says, this has been amazing. Really enjoyed listening to all the insight behind the scenes. So again, yeah, thanks to Billy for making himself available to uh, to come on Sports Cards Live for sure. Um, that was just going kind of uh, up. Um, what else can we address here? Sean Robb says, would Upper Deck consider buying back past products when it becomes obvious there is too much on the secondary market? Oh, that's like a company doing a stock buyback. Um, you shook your head pretty quick. So the answer to that is uh, is definitely a no, I'm guessing. 
and that's no. fine. Um, okay, let's see. Chris says, I'm not talking about blank backs. I'm talking stuff like the ghost lettering of a parallel name like the Fleer Tiffany. Um, I think we'll just leave that one for now. Um, you're okay. Then I lost you, Billy, and I wasn't sure if they could hear me or not. Um, here's a question from Bill. When designing checklists, is the form size a bigger factor than binder sheets? My OCD tingles when my Timmy subsets do not fit on their own page in my Tim Hortons binder. So basically, why don't sets work out to be in multiples of nine so they fit into binders better? Um, it's like I, it's stuff's built on, uh, on, on certain number of forms. So, um, it is, I mean, I, I'll tell you one set that we consciously think about that is the, uh, Parkhurst, the, uh, the puzzle backs. We purposely make each puzzle nine pieces. So it, you can, and cards one through 100. So you can make the, the puzzles, um, uh, one after like it, it's the cards are in the front and you can make look at the back of the puzzles. Okay. Okay. Um, here's a question from Charles. Why is it the players who haven't played an NHL game ever get cards like Zach? Uh, I don't know how to say his last name. Fukali. We got it. Um, you have to play an NHL game or be a backup goalie to be able to get an NHL card. Uh, we can't like, the big concern right now is if the season starts late next year, you know, we, and I know people, people have already asked me, when is UD one coming out? I have no idea because we have no idea when the season next year is going to start. And they're like, yeah, but you got, we're planning on the season to start when it's supposed to start. Uh, and when it's when it was scheduled to start as of right now, but you know, we can't make rookie cards for guys that haven't skated. So that could that could affect UD one to where, you know, we we have to make some decisions. So 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 is it? Oh, for, can a player get a rookie card by just by being dressed for a game, or do they actually have to step onto the ice to get the card? I believe that I don't know the exact. I think they have to step on the ice. I'm not sure. Well, no, though the backup goalie does not have to get into the game. He okay. just has to dress. So, but a, but a player has to get on the ice. I, I can't give I can't give you a hundred percent answer on okay. that. I, I mean, usually if they're dressed, they're playing. Uh, okay. I would assume, but I'm not positive. Okay, uh, Scott says, "Can you please do what you can do to get Patrick Waugh back in your sets, like Platinum and Artifacts, where there are lots of parallels?" He's a I don't know if you know Scott Noble's big Patrick Waugh collector and likes to pick up all of the different. Uh, all of the different uh, parallels. Richard wants to say, was Tarasenko the worst signer ever? He turned into one of the best. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Like he went from he went from not signing to he's one of our more reliable guys now. It's crazy. So uh, kudos kudos to him. I mean, uh, and look what happens. You start sending your cards, you win a cup. That's that. I mean, that's what I got to say. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, an anonymous fa Facebook user then says, actually, uh, Smith Pelly was the worst signer ever, to which Chris says, good thing they stamped that problem out. <laughs> okay, we'll skip right by that for now, Billy. I don't want you to have to address anything like that. Um, Tommy says, any chance to get more wider OPG team logo patches set that would increase value on OPG without more manufacturing costs? I don't like to tell people what their cost of doing business is, but... Uh, but any chance to widen that set, Billy? Um, 
when I built, when I was building Opeachy, we were doing update ones. That was actually my first job at Upper Deck was Grant had me find um, patches to use for that set. Like the, the um, Konstantinov patch. I was just like, um, we're putting this one in here. But uh, no, I, I agree. Um, if, if we have an opportunity to put more patches in there, uh, we just have to be able to find enough patches because we've, we've looked for a lot. I mean, I spent a lot of time just looking to finish the third series of, of those 100 patches. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so listen, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up really quick here. Um, we're gonna come back to one last question. Happens to be a Barry Grice question, which I think is a very appropriate way to end off the the evening. Uh, before we get to Barry's question, I'm just gonna uh, you know remind you guys that as is going on the ticker down there uh, on Wednesday, Justin is gonna be joining me, and Justin has a wealth of knowledge and experience in the hobby. A big basketball guy. Uh, a big tall guy, actually, too, who I've seen at the National going back for about 12 years now. Um, and he's uh, really active on Instagram. So we're going to talk about what's going on virtually. Um, I want to remind everybody, I'm going to put on the screen right now, too. If you're not aware of it yet, the Sports Card Expo virtual edition is June 19th and 20th. Uh, check out the website. They've started to press release and promote this event. I, I'm, I know I'm going to be uh, participating as a vendor. I plan to support this initiative by Steve Menzi, who owns the, the expo in the absence of actual in-person shows. And I urge everyone to come out, check that out and uh, help support that initiative and continue the tradition of the expo. Uh, next Saturday, Steve Grad, who's been on over 100 episodes of Pawn Stars, will be right where you see Billy uh, next Saturday. So excited to have Steve on to talk about the, the autograph world. He's the lead authenticator for Beckett Autograph Services as well. So that'll be pretty cool. All right. Thanks to everybody for watching tonight. Thanks for watching the next few shows. Last comment of the night from Barry Grice. He wants to know what you collect, Billy, but more importantly, how do you order your in and out Double-double, single, animal style, whole grilled onion, extra spread. This is very important. Um, first question. I'm a huge Detroit fan, obviously. Um, Applicator was my was my man. Uh, when you win a national championship for my favorite college team, Michigan State, uh, in the last second of the game or last few last minute of the game, and then go to your favorite hockey team, that was a that was a big thing. Um, I'm 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 leaning on Bertuzzi now. He he's my new guy because uh, I don't think Applicator's got much time left. Uh, Lindstrom's my old school guy, um, but I, I'm Detroit everything. Like I I I'm a PC collector now. Uh, it's kind of funny. I, I see you guys with all these amazing hits. Um, I I see these cards all the time now. Like part of my job is to to check a case of cards, and so I see these big hits. I don't want to say I'm immune to it, but it's it's not as much fun as when you spend your own money and and getting the hits. So, but I I go out and get uh, get some Detroit stuff all the time, and um, I, I I have some cards here, but I don't I don't really want to go into too much. I, I will show you one of my prized possessions and, and I'll leave it on that. Let's so funny, funny little story is back in the day during the playoffs, uh, the Red Wings put fans of the game on their playoff tickets. And this girl named Annie was on the 2000 uh, playoff ticket and she has a, a Red Wings jersey on and I'll try to get it so you can see it um, right there. Her name is Annie. Her name is Annie Bell. AKA Kristen Bell, uh, before she was on Veronica Mars or everything. And it, it took me about two years to find this ticket stub.
and I got it signed by her and she freaked the heck out because she's just like, Oh my gosh, where did you get this? I'm like, I, she signed everything I had that day. She's and I was wearing my Detroit stuff. Um, but that's probably one of my favorite items I own. Um, double, double. I don't like mayonnaise based products, so I'm not a fan of animal style. I love grilled onions. I'll get them on my fries, but, uh, I, forget that whole lettuce as the bun stuff too. That that's yeah. stupid. Um, uh, but, uh, when it's, when it's two o'clock in the morning and you want a burger, uh, yeah, double, double and, uh, with grilled onions, that's, so, that's, my, that's my jam. So wh where I live, there's no in and out burger. So my go-to is the A and W Papa with cheese. Nothing goes down as a late night burger, like a Papa with cheese. Very quickly, Billy, Chris wants to know, is chronology two coming out? Oh yeah. Chronology two is going to, chronology two is coming out. It's going to be active players. It's going to be even more names of guys that you haven't seen in years. It's it's not uh, it's not one of our alumni sets, but we have gone out and and done a really good job, our TA group, of getting just all these even more new names uh, to add to the list of um, you know the franchise history. We want those sets to be as big as possible. So we've gone out there and, and gotten some great names for it. I'm really excited about that set. This uh, that that's coming up. It, it looks really good. All right. Okay. Thanks everybody for watching. We're going to wrap it up. Billy, thanks so much for joining me. Stay right there. I'll see you in the back room in a minute. Um, everyone, we'll see you again on Wednesday with Justin and next Saturday with Steve Grad from Pawn Stars. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.